Hey folks, it's Tomo, Sean, and Andrew from What's Going On Here. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been gone for a long time, and thank you for joining us again on What's Going On Here. My name is Tomo Lovrick, also known as T-Love, in astrophysicist circles, for some reason. And with me, as always, I have the um, sharp, the calculating, the um, sweater-wearing... And he is so fit, he doesn't care that it has horizontal stripes because screw you and your fat shaming, Mr. Sean Quigley, also known as the Quig in fitness circles. Uh, tell us, Quig, how are you, sir? I am pretty good. Uh, in yeah. fact, I, I, uh, I am. It's ironic that I'm known as anything in fitness circles because <laughs> I am the fattest I have ever been in my whole life. I'm so fat that the horizontal lines that you acknowledged on my sweater are supposed to be vertical lines. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, uh, yes. I have the problem is you see, I just had a baby. Uh, well, my wife just had a baby. <laughs> and uh, congratulations, yay! Thank you very much. The yes. two fattest times of my life have been directly after the birth of my first, and now my second. It, and it's because mostly. My my wife, and I don't know if it's all pregnant women, but certainly my wife had big pregnancy eyes for food, big desires for food, but right. then was never able to eat anything right. without feeling sick. So I would just constantly mop up <laughs> all the food that she had <laughs> eyes for. I mean, how how do you not? You have someone yeah, yeah, no, who is constantly I, like making and ordering food and bringing this and then that and like, I want this and want that and want this and want that and then can't eat it. It's, it's, I would be right there with you because as an it, my wife is always like, you're not a garbage can. Stop that. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to throw it out. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah. And, and the third member of uh, this illustrious triangle, uh, as always, is the, um, the young, the sexy, the um, calculating also. Um, just a debonair young gentleman known as Andrew Albages, or AA, as he is known in, ooh, um, serial crime podcast circles. Um, Andrew, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Um, ironic that serial crime shows, podcasts, etc., are always predominantly, not exclusively, but predominantly, their listeners are women. Mm. And then That's... men like to listen to stupid things like three idiots drinking beer and talking shit or something like that. Yes, this is this is very um, true. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there should be a podcast about why women like podcasts about serial killers or or those you know like three part Netflix serial killer documentary shows. I, I mean, that's a good. 
Well, I've seen a few of them, and they're certainly to... entertaining. Oh, man. But I, I wonder if it's just a deep-seated fantasy on trying to kill as many men as possible, which I don't blame them for, because we are disgusting. Women are complex creatures. Mm. Um, well, I was having a conversation with my wife in the car today because we, there's a, a CD we listen to in the car that relaxes my daughter that yeah. is a, a, it's a Scottish Gaelic singer no. called Julie Fowlis. Okay. She's very good. She sings mostly in Gaelic, and she, she composed a couple of songs for Brave. Oh, okay. A couple mm-hmm. of other things like that. It's very, very lovely, <clears throat> easy listening music. And um, there's one song in there that my wife always sings wrong to, and she loves, and she knows all the words she sings. And I like joking with her about it. And it's it, and and I was said, oh, this is how you feel because it's about women, and it's called. It's like uh, the the line is a woman's uh, w- womankind and her heart and mind are like a sail on a restless ocean. That's like the chorus, and she loves it. And she's like, and she, and I was like, oh, it just speaks to you, doesn't it? <laughs> and, she, and, she, and she's like, yes, it does. In fact, the first time I heard that song, it made me weep, and it does. This song speaks to me you have no idea how much i feel and i was like i like that i'm not putting it past you it's great but like if there was an equivalency of a man a song that spoke to a man that'd be like <laughs> the irish gaelic song of just be like i was like what would that fucking be that men would be like this song speaks to me like fiddly diddly d i don't want to do what you want me to do but i'll fuck her and i'll eat that food <laughs> like, <what's> that? <laughs> <laughs> nice okay <clears throat> Now we've pushed uh, male-female relations forward 20 years. Did right. I say forward? I meant backward. Okay. Uh, now that we've done that, what we're going to do today, uh, as our fans know, what we usually do is we talk, we cover a myriad of um, pop culture happenings, which we're going to do tonight as well. But what this episode is about is our return from last year, our very popular and very successful uh, first initial show called the 12 beers of christmas it was a bit of a brainchild of young mr albagies there he's our marketing expert and we're doing the 12 beers of christmas again this year and now because of all the delays we had gigs and work and obviously sean had a baby uh things kept on pushing back um young mr albagies had to deal with a little bit of a COVID issue for a bit so our 12 beers of christmas is going to be basically a new year's eve edition for you guys so we're gonna we're each gonna have four beers or um we're making an exception again for young mr andrew albages and andrew do you want to um explain what the uh, what the issue was or do you want to the just... issue the issue is simply that i had some beers in the fridge and i bought some more beers so that i had four beers but one of those four one of the ones that i already had in the fridge is one that we've already drank on this show before and i didn't mm. realize it until it was too late and we're trying to try different things. So I've got some, uh, some whiskey and some wine and some other things. So we'll see after a couple of beers in. I'll just uh, throw a wild card in here and have, we'll still be four different drinks. Four different drinks. Excellent. And that's what counts. And that's what we're going to do. So uh, before we start discussing all our things, we have lots to get to. We have the Bond movie, Daniel Craig finishing. We have possibly Dune to talk about. We're going to obliquely talk about No Way Home because Sean hasn't seen it and still a, a early spoiler for fans, so we won't uh, uh, talk too much about that. But if Sean has seen it, just so you guys know, we won't give a shit about you and so your spoilers. Um, and then just other things and topics, and as we always do, we just veer off, and we'll see how well we do with these four drinks uh, during this podcast. So 
That being said, let's start with our, I will give everybody a little stat. I, I did some pre-work for this. Uh, last year when we did our 12 beers at Christmas, uh, the ABV or the alcohol by volume average for each of our members is as follows. Uh, Andrews was 6.8%, Sean was 7.3%, and I was 9.1% across the four beers. This year, I've decidedly toned it down, obviously, not by any conscious choice, but just because like I was trying to find beers that are appropriate for the season. So my average is 7.85, which is nothing to sneeze at, but you know, they're all pretty much around there. So I will tell you guys my first beer is a Freezing Season by uh, Flying Dog Brewery, Winter Ale. Freezing Season, Winter Ale. And this is a 7.4% ABV. And let's see, I already have some stats for you guys here. I already have my chart up and going. Ah, 25 IBU Flying Dog Brewery out of Frederick, Maryland. And that's my first beer. Um, Sean, Andrew, who wants to go next? Uh, okay, I have my first beer I picked is uh, I is this here is uh, from it's called Killer Instinct. Okay, it is from Ross Brewing Company. Uh, at least two, wait, at least two or three? No, at least three of my four beers are all from Ross Brewing Company. Okay, they are out of Karlstadt, New Jersey. Okay. Uh, this this Killer Instinct it has some words that I don't understand. Okay. I figured it's an IPA, but I don't know that for a fact. It okay, we can look it up. We can D -D look it up real quick. This is D D H N E IPA, Nee IPA, juicy tropical hazy. There's mosaic, you know, hops and citra, all the stuff you'd expect in IPA, but it's just weird that it doesn't say IPA. It says. Does that mean like double New England IPA or something? Oh, yes. Double. Yes. yes, of course. Double New England. There we are. Look at that, Mr. Yes. IPA. Yes. Very good. That must be what it means. I'm not positive that it's a DDH something. It's like double something. Double Double dry hop. Dry hop. Dry, double dry hop. Yeah, double dry hop. Yep. And then the NE is for New England. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Okay. So that's that. It's a um, it's 8.1% ABV, 31 IBUs, and it's 6 SAM. I'm sorry. Uh, what was what was that ABV? I'm sorry. Is eight point one. Ooh. Okay. You're starting off strong, man. And <laughs> no. I use um, is thirty one. Oh, and it's not Sam. It's SRM. Six SRMs. Okay. Whatever those are. I oddly enough, I can't find it. Um. Up. Uh. Uh. uh untapped. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a bunch of Killer Instinct beers listed, but I can't find it. Ross Brew. Oh, it looks like they're actually from Port Monmouth, New Jersey. I guess Bolero Snort is out of Karstadt. That's where that is. Oh, 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 oh. So they must be fairly small because I can't... I see nothing for with Ross Brewing or Bolero Snort for that matter. So what that most likely is, is uh, I know a guy that did that with the guys at the elementary Somebody goes mm. there and brews like a thing of beer that they think is good and then sell it. And they rent the place, the equipment, and then they get, you know, I don't know, whatever, a uh, uh, hundred cases of it and then sell it to people on the side. Mm. 
So, and what did you say? It's not Carlstadt. It's what, New Jersey? It is, um, it's Port Monmouth. Monmouth oh, Port Monmouth. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I found I found the I have found on Untapped Ross Brewing. Really? Yes. Okay. Let's see. Yeah. Let's see. See if I can send it to you. Do 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 do. So what a wonderful. Uh... Okay, I see Ross Brewing Company Navesync IPA. Hmm. See that. Okay, there's some Ross Brewing stuff here, but I don't see Killer Instinct anywhere. Yeah, I see a bunch of stuff from Ross Brewing actually now. Hmm. Brewery, but I don't see Killer Instinct anywhere. Yeah, I don't know how these. Oh, okay. Work. I don't really know how these work. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Well, a few of these, a few of these that run untapped are my beers as well. Okay. Um, are the other beers that I have that I do see here on untapped? So. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Uh, Andrew, what do you got for us? I am, uh, nobody knows this, you guys know this, the listeners don't, but I got pretty messed up last year when we did the 12 beers of Christmas, because I had all those, whatever you said, 6.8% was the average, I think it was somewhere yeah. six, somewhere seven, relatively yep. strong, all pint size. All um, pint size, yes, too, to be fair, yep, absolutely. Um, and I smoked a huge cigar, I think, at the same time, if memory serves me correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, the day after we recorded that was a that the morning after was was quite the struggle so i'm trying to keep it a little a little a little more tamed this year so i'm, yeah. I'm starting it off with uh five borough brewing co city light which is uh a light craft lager but um any of the five borough beers i've had are always really good and they're local out of brooklyn so i figured okay. not bad to start it off with something a little lighter but hopefully it's still pretty good it's like any of the other the other uh, five boroughs that I've had. Um, it's Five Borough Brewery? Five Borough Brewing Co. Yep. Okay. It's 4.2%. Uh, uh, no IBUs. Okay. 4.2 and no IBUs. All right. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, you know the procedure. Let's uh, give the listeners what they want to hear and crack these bad boys open. Three, two, one. Ooh. Ooh. I have realized this is actually called Killer Intellect, not Killer Instinct. I just uh, said that it might be that's might be why it's I couldn't find it. Okay. Killer intellect. All right. Well, cheers, gents. Let's try cheers. see how it goes. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Ooh. This is nice. Oh, look at that. Look at that amber deliciousness. Oh, that's. I'm liking this first. If this is the first. Ooh, if the rest of the night goes like this, I'm going to be a happy lad. Okay. Yeah. This is nice. So what's our what's our first impressions? Uh, Sean, you, uh, Andrew, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Mine's pretty light. It tastes like I'm drinking a light beer, like a Bud Light or something like that. Maybe with a little more flavor going on, but nothing, nothing too crazy. But I'll, I'll, I won't regret it tomorrow. I think. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So there's that. Sean, what about? Um, so yeah, I'm good. I mean, you know, typical IPA. Um, I guess it's a little higher, higher, um, with being eight point one percent. 
mm-hmm. um, and we've been spoiled in the past with certain IPAs we've had that have been high volume but have drunk very easily. Right. Um, this is perfectly nice, but it's it's a little um, I don't want to say drier, maybe drier. Hoppy. Maybe it's the hop. It's a little less smooth on like the back end. And I think uh, it's the higher alcohol content, but it's still nice. But it's it's a little. It does. It's not smooth. A little harsher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. A, li- a little harsher. So if you were new to IPA, if you're not particularly, if you're not an IPA guy, you'd probably not be a big fan of this because it's quite, you know, it's got, it packs a bit of a hop to it. But I, for me, somebody who likes IPA, and uh, it's the only IPA out of the beers I've got, and that's why I chose it. It's my first because the rest are all kind of a little bit more complex, darker beers. Right, it's, right. It's a. Uh, Good IPA. I think okay. yeah, you like it. Yeah, I, I'm. I enjoy the winter ales. Uh, last year I had like a couple of Christmas ales and 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 I had an imperial stout and I forget what my fourth beer was. Um, this is very much along that vein. It's not as seasoned and as spicy as some of those Christmas ales, but it's super smooth. This it this does not drink like a seven point four percent beer. It's just real easy. This is just like, oh, this is just, I, I don't even, I, it's almost like when you have a coffee and the coffee is just very mild and just nice. And, you know, there's no real like sharpness to it or or anything like that. It's just real easy to drink. That's what this guy is. And it's just, it's a nice level of carbonation, not too flat, like a porter or, or a stout or anything like that. It's, if, if people wanted to like a quote unquote heavy beer, I say start here because you won't think it's heavy. So that's that's my initial impression on it. Hmm. All right. So let's start with the, I guess, earliest. What, what, what came out first? Was it Dune or, or Bond? I don't even remember anymore. Bond, I think. I think Bond, Bond, right? First. Yeah. All right. So let's talk Bond. Um, Bond. We should say, right? Or you just said already before we started, spoiler warning for all of these movies. Yes, absolutely. And, and I'll that, push that out there. Uh, um, uh, no time to die. Spoiler warning! If you spoiler warning, yeah. movie, if you haven't seen it, turn it stop off. Stop listening stop. Right. now because in five, four, three, two, one, James Bond dies at the end. <laughs> That's not where I was going to go with that. Yeah, there is no time to die apart from the end, which is where he dies. Uh, I was going to make some shit up. It was like Bond busted in on Q and Money Penny doing it in the closet. I was going to say something. Maybe- <laughs> that but you just went full like hog wild there okay we gave the warning if someone was stupid enough to stay and listen this is our one slow listener in like guadalajara pepe <laughs> oh, he's like oh no oh no oh. guys no senor bond no por que senor bond how do you do this to me I am. Oh, you know no. how slow i you know am what? I've- I have actually done, I've listened to other podcasts, or sometimes I'll listen to a podcast when I shower, and I'll leave my phone like near the shower and crank the volume so I can hear it, and I had this happen once, where they were like, oh, spoiler warning, blah, 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 and I was like, oh no, no, I'm in the shower, so there's like nothing I can do, I think I I may have, I don't know if I got spoiled or if I paused it beforehand or not, but like, you're pretty vulnerable there, that's not like, that's not like you're listening in headphones and you're like, hmm, all right. Let me pause this and find another podcast to listen to. Right. You're like, it's just going. Right. Do you have an so, iPhone or an Android? I have an iPhone. Uh, an older Siri? one. 
Hey Siri, shut the. Fuck I don't up. have that. I don't have the. I don't have the, the Hey Siri thing active because then Siri's always listening. Uh, you think I'm crazy? Yeah, because they can't hear what you're doing anyway, right? Oh yeah, that, that's like yeah yeah yeah. That's yeah. like when you've got friends over and a teenager and you tell your parents to go upstairs and not like listen. You're like you're yeah. gonna go upstairs, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna yeah. like come yeah. above us. Yeah, we go upstairs. Siri's yeah. gonna be just deactivated. Don't worry. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Apple telling you Siri's deactivated when you deactivate it is like a guy telling, "Don't yeah, I got the condom on. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's in fine. Order, I have the condom on." It's like in order for you to be like Siri, activate. She then goes, "I'm activated." So then you wish. So wait a second. You were listening. How are you listening in order for me to activate you? I yeah, that's right. Ha- I wasn't listening. I just happened to be walking by. I just happened to be walking by your phone when I heard you say Siri. That's all that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, a bond. I, I was really like super pleasantly surprised. I will say this though first before I start. So if anybody from the CMX movie theater chain is listening to this, I went to the CMX theater down in Closter, New Jersey. And for those of you that don't know, they have like a fancy bar set up, like literally like a bar. And it's a nice bar, like all like top shelf liquors there. And you could get a pizza and, you know, one of these fancier places and you get assigned seats, all that. I show up. It was either a Wednesday or Thursday night for the 7.30 p.m. show. Okay. And I'm like, it's James Bond. It's the last James Bond. That's why I'm coming to this theater. Because I'm going to get a couple of martinis, you know, like a, a nice like Vesper martini since James Bond is here. I'm going to get a couple of those, have a small thing of popcorn, have my martinis, eat my popcorn and enjoy the movie. And I walk right up to the bar, big grin on my face. I'm like, hey, can you guys make a sorry, sir, we're closed. What? What? They're like, yeah, liquor license. Liquor license? It's 730 on a Thursday, what do you, yeah, we can't serve anymore. When was I supposed to be here to drink at like for lunch break? I mean, what? They, when can they serve? I don't know if it was, it, it must be like town specific and the only reason why they let them have it because there's no pub in the town. But I'm like, what's the point of this? If at a seven, before a 7.30 showing, you already shut down your bar. So right off the bat, I'm, Miserable, because I'm like, great. I was looking forward to a nice martini, and I'm settling here for like a Diet Coke and popcorn. Like one mark against my experience right off the bat. But then I went in, and the movie was, I was really kind of blown away. They really, really did a good job. Um, There was nothing about it I didn't like. Like that whole Bond controversy, oh, the new Bond is a woman, and she's black, and all this. They didn't make a big deal of it. They were just like, well, she's just the best agent we have right now. You're retired. Fuck off. Whatever. She's 007. You know, it was like, oh, okay, cool. And even like the thing that they did with Q, where they were just like, Q is gay. And he was just prepping dinner because he was having a date. And he's like, but I've been, wait, I wanted a, an evening alone with him for a long time. And it was just like, oh, Q. And, you know, neither Moneypenny nor Bond at that point because they're in his apartment, batting eyelid. It's like, oh, Q is a gay, gay character? Great, nobody cares. They just kind of mentioned it in passing, and I thought the way they handled that was fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. 
I thought, uh, I thought, what's her face? Uh, Ana de Armas was fantastic in the short time. Oh, she's so great. She is so good. And oh, man. <clears throat> besides the fact that she's incredibly easy on the eyes, but I thought she really, really did really well there. Yeah, uh, and I love that whole scene. That was so much fun. So much fun. Uh, what's her face? Uh, Lashana Lynch. She was great as a counterpart, like that, that whole, mm -hmm. um, uh, Felix Leiter, what's his face? James, uh, uh, um, the actor, uh, what kind of thing? No, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, um, Jeffrey Wright. Yes. The Felix Leiter. That was great. That little finish and send off. Uh, um, and I loved Christoph Waltz was, was kind of the scene stealer for me in that movie because he was in that movie for maybe three minutes five and he like and you know he's chained in a chair and they literally have him like this and he basically pulled the joe pesci from the irishman like joe pesci didn't have much to say but like his facial expressions and just oh was just like so just magnificent that you know I mean, no disrespect to, to, to what's his name, uh, uh, um, who was the main villain. Um, Rami Malek. Rami Malek. I don't think it was his fault that his villain wasn't really much. I was just kind of like, uh, whatever. I think it was his fault because I think he's not a good actor. Well, yeah, I'm kind of with Sean a little bit on that. Well, you know I, I don't think it's entirely his fault. Oh, he's so gone. Oh, no. We should talk about that because that for me – that for me was the weakest part of the movie, honestly, mm. it was him. Um, I 100% agree. I 100% agree on that. I don't necessarily think all of it is on him because the writing was, I mean, no, the writing was, the writing for that character, I think the movie did a good job of like fitting in all the things it needed to do and kind of tying everything together to give Daniel Craig like a conclusive. A, a nice send off. Right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everything with his character and like, his super evil villain plan, it really didn't make any sense. No, like, none, no sense the, whatsoever. The technology and whatever, the way you could infect certain people based on their DNA and stuff, that was interesting and it, it worked really well, especially early in the movie. Yeah. Once you got to the end, like, what the fuck was he doing on that island? Why? Like, what was his math right. when he was going to release Why? it to the whole it's, world? And it it's was literally... Like, it's Why right. did he want to release it to the whole world? They never really explained that. It doesn't really make any sense. He's just it, like, oh, I'm just, I'm just like you, Mr. Bond. Like, right. Why? No, you're not. Yeah. It's literally, it's literally the stereotypical community theater director going like, what's my motivation? Why am I like this? It was literally like, why is he like this? I this, you know, his parents got killed by somebody. And that's why you create something that'll like destroy half the planet? What? what? Also, also another 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 issue I have with this is um, he what's what's her name Madeline Swan at the beginning of the movie when it shows that flashback he like rescues her from the ice right sorta after sorta. he chases her to the ice right but he like saves her so she like owes him or whatever right and at the end of the movie when they're on the island he's like tormenting her and doing all this stuff. so it's like. Why did you save her then if now you still have this vendetta against her? Also, Wait, how old was he? Her... How old was he supposed to be? Because he's, he's... Like the same. How old is he, he there when like she's a, a little girl? And now they're like, like you know what I mean? He's right. I think the, 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 the illusion was that 
he was supposed to be like late teens, early twenties when he came to kill her mom and her dad. Yeah. This is, what's his face from, from the earlier Daniel Craig movies. And then at that point, you know, he's in his like late fifties, early sixties. And hence the scarring. You can't really tell how old he is because of all the. He doesn't look. Randy Knox still doesn't look that old. No, 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 not even. He right, right, younger, like he is. He is younger than Daniel Craig, and he looks that way. Much. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? it, it's it's like I said. I, I so that's why I don't think it's necessarily. I mean, you're right. His acting was just like so one dimensional. It was almost like the Doctor No from Doctor No, the first Bond movie. Yeah. Almost like that with a like steel hand. It's like. Mr. Bond, you will not, <laughs> you know, it was, it was really <laughs> stiff and it was just like, what the hell is this all about? So I won't necessarily blame the whole thing on him, but I agree. I don't think his acting was anything good because like I said, Christoph Waltz was there for five minutes, five minutes. And he, I was just like, that was brilliant. I, I feel yeah. like Rami, for me, Rami Malek is not, I wouldn't call him a, a I'm not, that's not fair to say he's not a good actor. I don't say he's a great actor because and people that aren't actors get this wrong a lot because you see so many Oscar worthy performances that are out of the world crazy. Like the Freddie Mercury, you know, he did that. I wasn't a huge fan of the specific interpretation, but I understand what he did. And the, the mimicry to the extent that he did was very impressive. Right. I don't think that's a great acting performance. I think it's something else, but still. But we, we've talked but, about this with, with that, with the hillbilly yeah, movie. Like, so what? The, you, you, you can imitate. So what? It's, it, the thing is, it's like I feel like the hardest role for Rami Malek to play is if I was director, if I was put in a room with Rami Malek and my job was to get something out of, if I was like acting school and they're like, right, we need to get something out of this kid that is not something he struggles with, that he would try and challenge him on something. I'd be like, your mission, Rami, is to just be a normal fucking dude. Like, <laughs> right. Be a believable everyman dude. He is the brother of your girlfriend he's just a guy who's come around and he's a normal guy he's supposed to be likable and he's just normal and there's nothing weird about him he's just a normal nothing special dude yeah i don't believe he could do it <laughs> actually you guys should see i don't know if either of you guys saw it that movie it came out early this year called the the little things with rami malik jared leto and um denzel no i actually thought it was really good it got like some mixed things i i enjoyed the movie a lot but Rami Malek plays a detective and mm. um, Denzel Washington's like an older retired cop or detective too, who kind of comes back and like, they both start working a case together. And for the most part, Rami Malek's character isn't anything crazy other than, you know. Like, like a, a normal dude. dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's good in it. And him and Denzel, are, I, I thought were really good together against one another, mm. which um, well, I'm more, I... I liked him more in that than I did in, in Bond. And then, I thought he did good in in as as Freddie Mercury, but like I don't know that that to me is overshadowed now by the fact that he won an Oscar, and I'm like he didn't deserve he did good, but he didn't, wasn't a fucking Oscar. Well, I know, I know, I saw like one or two episodes of Mr. Robot, and it was like where he first made his name on you. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, if you have, either of you guys watched that. No, he was very good on that actually, yeah. and and it was it was people really really like that show and i think on the strength of that he's been basically booking the things that he's been booking yeah because i think on the strength of that he got the bohemian rhapsody role mm -hmm. well he had yeah. to he was like last rung on that i mean they went through the ringer like it, it, it it's one of those unfortunate things where like almost every other person who was attached i'd love to have seen their version 
obviously right. Sacha Baron Cohen was the first guy who was in the running and was going to do it and didn't work out. But then the, I've forgotten who the next person was, but Ben Wishaw was in the running as well for Rami Malik and um, I think Paddington came around so he couldn't do it. Ben Wishaw would have been a really interesting choice. Um, and then someone else, oh, I forgot who it was, it would be really good. But there were a bunch of really interesting actors that were like, oh, these would be really good. And then Rami Malek. Like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. But talk about Denzel, I've heard that Macbeth is like incredible. Yeah, I've got I can't wait to see that. Is it is it up yet? Is it up yet? Yeah. Oh. It's in theaters. It came out in theaters on Christmas Day, maybe? And it's there it's for an a run, but it's also on it's Apple. It's on Apple, yeah. yeah. Apple, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch that, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought I thought the movie was really, uh, uh, it was really a proper send off, and like to end the 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 Craig era, um, I'd put it in third place of his movies, right? Um, yeah, yeah a Quantum great. of Solace and Spectre have kind of been throw off movies, and I was worried that that's kind of where it was going to land, somewhere in between those two. But I would really put it into close consideration for second. You know, I'd like. And I mean, I think we when we did our our Bond movie countdown, we broke all of these. The only one we didn't really do is is No Time to Die because Spectre had already come out when we did the the Bond. I've been listening to I've been listening to the Bond things that we've been going through. And I forget if we picked Casino Royale or Skyfall for the best one. I think it might have been Casino Royale. Um, but if Skyfall we picked for second, I would kind of put this one like right, you know, if Skyfall is two, this one is two B. Like I wouldn't even put yeah. it third. You know what I mean? I really, really thought it was just really well done. I, I thought they did some really. Yeah. Sorry, Sean. Go ahead. No, I was going to agree. I, just, I for for me actually for me it's my favorite Craig Bond. Um, I'm not oh, saying yeah. it's the best, but it's my favorite one, um, mm. and I think. A lot of that is to do with the fact that already my favorite Bond, which was already controversial when we did the list, and again, it was not what I deemed to be the best Bond, but I think, I can't remember if I said it was my favorite or at least it was a, an honorable mention or something, it was on A Majesty's Secret Service. Like, mm. I love that movie. And yeah. this movie is an homage to that movie. This is the mm-hmm. movie the, them, of people that have come to realize that On A Majesty's Secret Service is a sort of a... An, a movie that for years was left sort of getting dusty in the corner and everyone sort of forgot about it, but they realized actually underneath all the controversy of Lazenby and it's a really good movie. It's an excellent movie. Yeah. Um, and th- this movie completely plays homage to it and it had me going because, you know, then the second they start playing the theme from it, like that's the only bond. When have you ever had that? Like the duplicate yeah. themes? Yeah. Um, I was like, Oh, they're going to kill her off. They're going to kill her. That's what, yeah. gonna, you know, they're going to kill her. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was just excellently done all around. I, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised. I was kind of going in there with like lowered expectations because I thought they were gonna, like I said, with all the controversy, like oh, new Bond, this, that, and I was just like, the way they handled all of that was brilliant. It was like, no, she's the our best agent. Fuck off, she's 007. Like no one even talked. You know, M was just like, that's just all it is. Um. You know, 
uh, yeah, I, I mean, if I'm giving it, if we're giving it a, a grade, right, like our beers from zero to five, <laughs> giving, I'm giving No Time to Die a, a, I'm giving it like a four, five, four, six in that range. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you guys on on everything you said. I think uh, as far as like of the Craig movies. I would probably put it third too. Um, you could make the argument that this was as, uh, I don't know, as good or as enjoyable of a movie as any of the other ones he made. I think if you start, if you start like poking holes in some of the plot and things like that, it doesn't quite hold up maybe as good as say Casino Royale or Skyfall does. Right. Um, but all in all, I think they did a really great job, especially considering everything they had to do. I mean, you look at it, I look at it, almost like what they tried to do with um with the the last star wars um what they call it return of sky what the hell was the name of it i can't even think of it rise of skywalker um, rise of skywalker right like rise yeah. of skywalker basically they made these new star wars movies and they scrambled in the last one to try and tie them all together and make them make sense and have like a inclusive story and it didn't work it didn't basically work. what they did because when they did casino royale and then they did Skyfall. It seemed like they, so Casino Royale came out and it was basically all new Bond, right? They like started from scratch. And then Quantum picked up right where Casino Royale left off. It was the first time they ever did like a direct sequel and directly kind of connected these movies. And that didn't really work. So then when Skyfall came out, they kind of went the route of the old school Bond thing where they're like, man, let's just make another Bond movie and just go on. And then Spectre and then into No Time to Die, they tried to string them all together again to give like one whole arc to, to Craig's Right, bond. to Craig's, yeah. So what they did in this movie, similar to what they did in Rise of Skywalker, is tried to like make it all work and tie it all together. And I think they did it pretty well. There's a couple things you could say like, eh, it felt a little bit like they tried hard here or there or whatever. But all in all, I thought they did a really good job with it. And it, it, felt, it felt organic and it felt realistic and it was a satisfying tie up to the story and it, it's cool to for us like who have watched all of these movies i mean these are the this is the first full series of full bond actor that i've seen every movie in, in theaters you know like when i was a right. kid i saw um roger moore i can't yeah. remember i saw which pierce brosnan i know i saw die another day and maybe one of his other ones i saw i've seen all of them obviously but i didn't see them all in the movies you know what i mean yeah, so yeah, yeah. with Daniel Craig, like I, this has really been like truly like a bond of my era, if you will. So to so to have like one kind of congruent story for his movies, which they've never done really in Bond before, I thought worked out really well, and I like it. I like the way they they tied everything up. Oh yeah, and he seemed I loved I, his performance of knowing that it was the end of his arc, and yeah, yeah that he he looked tired. Yeah. Like yeah. he yeah. looked the whole movie like he never yeah. really looked like he would win. Right. At any point. He always yeah. looked like he was like, oh, even like the little fights, the one on one fights with just some random goon. You're like, yeah, he's struggling. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Really well played. Because yeah, no yeah. would have had the balls to look as sort of vulnerable as he did in it. Right. Because I, the closest that came, and we talked about this on the podcast, was in Diamond Forever which was Connery's last official bond, right? Where he was older and he's fighting uh, uh, the Dutch guy, the Dutch diamond dealer in the elevator. And it was like one of the only ones where Connery actually looks like he's fighting. 
because we talked about the whole thing with with Lazenby. When La- if you watch uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, he looks like he's fighting for real. Like the Connery and the Roger Moore stuff was like so schmaltzy and looked like like because Lazenby's literally punching people. Like that yeah, was, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, the yeah, joke. Yeah. He punched the dude in the face. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he but, didn't know what to fucking do. But there's that scene in Diamonds Are Forever where where Connery is fighting in the elevator, and it looks like he's fighting for his life, kind of. And it's like, at that point, they're kind of acknowledging that he's getting too old for the job. So they had a little bit of that in there, but you're absolutely right. In this one, in No Time to Die, that entire, from the time that Vesper's uh, uh, monument explodes, her, her crypt, whatever it was, he's just like running on E. Like this flashing that entire time, he's crushed. He's crushed that he thinks what's her face uh, uh, betrayed him. He's just crushed all over the place. And then, of course, like the crushing realization that like the little girl has his eyes and everything from then on, you know, is just like it's nothing but desperation. Like in none of them is he desperate. He's like ah, shit, I don't know if I'm going to make, but he's never, like, desperate. He's like, I'm going to make this for Quinn and country. I'll be fine. And he, like, jumps and does all that. But in this one, he was, it's just nothing but sheer desperation. He even, like, yeah. tries to figure out, and she's like, is everything okay? He's like, yeah. It w- I, I would have, I mean, I did a great job at that bit. I think, uh, going off of what I just said, it would have been even sweeter if the end was like, because in the end, there was no way he was getting off. Yeah. At any point of his bond, it would have been even sweeter from a narrative point of view if you felt that if it was Bond from Casino Royale, he may have got out. Like if there was like, say like there was, he had like five seconds on the clock, like there was a thing, there was something he could have done that maybe he would have got a way out. But there was just that extra time, that extra gray hair where it's just like, you know what? Not this time around. Like that would have been a little, little mm-hmm, extra screw, mm-hmm. just like, oh fuck, yeah. I'd love yeah. to step, and that's yeah. why, why he didn't make it. That would have been nice, but you know, it it worked. It was thoroughly entertaining. It was really satisfying the way they closed off all the tied up all the loose ends. All the so called controversy was just like dealt in such a way that, you know, in an ideal world, all of this, you know, trans, gay, women's rights. All of this shouldn't fucking matter, right? It's like, well, it's what you do in your bedroom. It's your fucking bed, you know, that kind of stuff. And the way they handled it was kind of like that. It's like, oh, yeah, Q is gay. And, like, the two of them didn't even bat an eyelid. You know, that. Oh, the way they just handled all of it, I was just like, this is, you know, this is really well done. Unlike, you know, Star Wars, like, there's a gay kiss. And the whole time I'm waiting. <laughs> so stupid. I, 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 the whole time I was waiting for freaking Finn and, and what's his face, Oscar Isaac's character to make out. And then there's like two girls in the background that like kind of smooch hello. I'm like, yeah, two I'm characters just, like, that didn't even, neither one of them even had a line in the movie. I don't no, think. no, no. It's like, what the, uh, what? Yeah. So I, I thought, I thought Bond was really good. And yeah, I would just say too, that some of the scenes, some of the action scenes, the way they were done, were so good. I really liked, I felt, I, I the first time I, I saw it twice in theaters, by the way. Nice. But the first time I saw it, I really felt like it was, most Bond movies, when you see them, feel pretty much like Bond movies. They don't feel different or like, you don't really see like the director's DNA on them. I think Sam Mendes, when he did Skyfall, was like one of the first to really like 
imprint his DNA on it yeah. as opposed to it just being like another Bond movie that gets cranked out. But I felt like you really saw Kerry Fukunaga's DNA in this movie. Like it was the style and everything was, it felt a little different. It didn't just feel like another Bond movie. And there were some yeah. of the action scenes, some of the action scenes and different things he did that were just so cool. Like the, at the end when Bond goes back into the, the, whatever the layer, whatever you want to call it. There's that shot of him. There's that huge one, one of him doing fighting all those guys going up the stairs and stuff like different stylized stuff like that. It was just, I thought it was super cool. And really it was, excited. it was just all, it, it was all of it. Good. Um, like you were saying, uh, uh, Sean, like him fighting these randos that they don't even bring up. Cause it's just like, why is he taking his time with this? And he's just like, Oh, he's losing a step. You know, fact that he lost Felix like that to, to like some guy who looks like, you know, some freaking cornbread eating motherfucker from the Midwest. Like, what are you doing? Man, what, what, who is this guy? You know? So it, it, it really was. Uh, 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 and the song was good. I like, I, yes. I wasn't that familiar with Billie Eilish, but I, the first time I really heard Billie Eilish was this movie. And then I watched oh. it on SNL. And now I'm like a Billie Eilish fan. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, no, she's great. She's great. She's absolutely great. Yeah, um, and surprisingly, only turned 19 the other day, and I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa! This girl's been on the scene for like two, three years. Like, what? I didn't realize she was that young. So, yeah, it was, um, it was great. I thought it was fantastic. And on that note, I think I'll, uh, I'll finish our first round. How are you guys doing with the first round? I can crush it. Oh. The one thing I would say is I had a very similar experience to you in the cinema. I went the extra step. I went method and I watched it in England. Uh, I, tra I traveled. You went all I the way to England to see it. I traveled to Her Majesty's the United Kingdom in order to watch well, it. Well, the cheerio and all that rubbish in there. Did you jump out of a plane and then pull a parachute that was the British flag and, and sail your way down into the cinema? Um, some would say they saw me take a little jump off of that plane. Mm. Well, <laughs> when, well on the, you know, just a well, little. Well, <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 I, to, to speak on Her Majesty's behalf, I will tell you this much. I will quickly, it was certainly my absolute pleasure <laughs> to have you there. <laughs> To see this movie in person and Her Majesty's soil. Okay. Her Majesty, Her Majesty has probably got a lot of soil in her general area. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I had a very similar experience to you, so I went to a posh cinema with uh -huh. my parents. I went to a posh okay. cinema where they serve you food and there's a bar and it's uh -huh. sofas and it's very posh. And actually, right. I had one of the best burgers of my life there, which is very nice. unusual. So okay. A burger in the UK in a cinema, and it's fucking good. But <laughs> I ordered a martini. I ordered a martini from the young boy that they sent round. <laughs> was the boy naked at least? <laughs> <laughs> he was when I was done with him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, he pops around and he's like, he's like, we'll take your orders. And I'm, and I'm looking at the menu and it's on, and I'm like, but I'll um I'll have a martini please. <laughs> and he's like he's like uh gets out his fucking iPad. He's like Oh sorry we're out of martinis. What? How I'm are like, 
Martinis. Are you out I'm of like, Martinis? Whoa, 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 whoa. Is right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, this is James Bond. You have yeah. a bar. Yeah. Are you out of Martinis? I, I, I didn't. My parents were there. They don't understand. My dad doesn't drink alcohol anymore because if he did, he'd be dead. <laughs> Trouble. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um. So I was like, uh. I was about to go into it, but he, this kid looked like it was his first job. He looked like seven. Right, right, I was right, like, right, right. I, I'm going to ju- Okay, you're out of martinis, kid. That's fine. So instead, I had a bottle of gin. Uh, just a nice little so thing. So you bring me a whole fucking bottle of gin then, They had, they had a silver, They brought me out a silver tray mm. with uh, like a, it was like a quarter liter of gin. Um, Jesus, how much did they want you to drink? And and it was it was to share with me and my mum, and <sighs> and two fancy gin glasses, glass fancy carved gin glasses with a bucket of ice and some uh, artisanal tonic, um, oh. and we were making gin tonics at home. So so let me ask let me ask this. So they brought a bottle of fucking gin. So all they needed really was a little bit of vermouth, and you could have had a fucking martini. What's the problem? Is there no vermouth or was there no vodka and they don't know what the fuck a martini is? They're out of martinis. The fact, the They're fact out. We're, we're out of martinis. I tonight. think they were just out of martinis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my bad. My bad. It's like, yeah, it was probably like, oh, it's Charlie Martini. Isn't his last name Martini? Yeah, we all out of martinis today, love. No, sorry. Okay. All right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. The bartender was probably like, I'm not making one more fucking martini for this fucking James Bond movie. And the kid was like, What do I tell them, sir? It's my first probably. Day. He was like, probably. Fucking tell them we're out of martinis. He's like, Yes, sir. <laughs> that's probably that's probably exactly what happened. That's probably exactly what happened. Sell them the fucking bottle of gin. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> right, that's probably exactly what happened. All right, so let's 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 do a grading here for our drinks. Then, um, Sean, what do you, what do you think of your killer intellect there? Um, it's nice. Again, as always with these things, it's, by the end of it, it's going down smoother than the beginning. Um, okay. It's nice. It's so hard. It's almost, it's got to a point where it's almost impossible to judge these IPAs. Like, I want to say mid-range IPAs because we know the big hitters. We know the things that have impressed us. And I'm pretty sure we've had bad ones. I can't remember any, but I'm sure we've had certainly ones that we weren't fond of. This is a mid, mid-level IPA, you know? I mean, it's nice. It ticks all the boxes. This is the sort of thing that all three of us would probably be like, oh, yeah, this is fine. But it, would, no, it wouldn't be our favorites. It's just it's a little too harsh. Right, um, right. To be really be anybody's favorite, I think. Um, but um, it's high percentage. This would be good for in a situation like if I was in a, a beer garden, like a, a brewery, like in the summer, and was outside, mm. and maybe I only had like an hour or so, or a couple of hours, and like, oh, I'm going to get on tap, and it's got enough that it's going to give me a little bit of a buzz, and we have a good time. It's good for that. But I would give it a 3.8. Okay. All right. Um, 3.8. Excellent. I actually, um, Andrew, why don't you go next and I'll bring, I'll, I'll throw mine in then. All right. City Light by Five Borough Brewing Company. Um, it was exactly what I said when I first cracked it and started drinking it. It just tastes like a light beer. Mm-hmm. 
nothing, nothing special going on other than that. Um, I mean, maybe a little better than if you already drink a Bud Light or something, but it's a light beer. So okay. what, what, what do I give a light beer? I don't know. Give it a 2.8. Okay. Maybe it's, maybe it's three if I'm feeling generous, but. You're not feeling generous. I gotta be honest. Yeah, be honest, man. It's, I don't mind it actually. Like I'd drink it. It's fine for like, if you were, you know, if you were like eating and watching the game or whatever, you know, like you're around people, somebody gets a pitcher and you're just kicking them back. And sure. Back, so. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. 2.8. Should I give it a three in the season, in the spirit of the season? No, give it whatever you want. I mean, again, this is like the scale. I mean, I've sent you guys the list of all the things we've had. And then we've had some spirits here and there. We've had, like, we had wine once and we had, you know, ciders and, and, and mixed drinks and all that. The scale is so sliding at this point. <laughs> no, it is. And, and, yeah. Compared to like, I, I'm sure if we went back and we were a lot of the beers that we've tasted, we probably can't even get because, of course, they're, you know, uh, uh, micro brews and craft brews and all that. Yeah. But I'm sure some of those that were like four, three when we first started the podcast are probably like a three, two now, a three, five, maybe. Yeah. You know? We'll because stick with this. Just, we'll stick with the two, eight then. Two, eight it is. Yeah, that's it. Be honest. Give people the honest review. Um, Again, um, my opinion on the my beer, um, Freezing Season Winter Ale by Flying Dog Brewery, it didn't really change. I thoroughly enjoy the beer. Um, super smooth. Uh, flavor didn't change for me at all. You know, it's a regular bottle. What is this? 11, 12 ounces, whatever it is. Uh, it's, it's somewhere. No, I don't know. Anyway, but it's, it's definitely not a pint. But it was super smooth. It had real easy to drink, 7.4%. It wasn't crazy spicy or anything like that. You know, not a lot of, but I mean, flavorful. It's winter ale, uh, 3.8. Like I'll have to, again, it's, it's what's our yardstick. If we were at a barbecue all day and this is what they had, first of all, everyone would be smashed. But, you know, maybe somebody has a winter barbecue. Uh, I'd be more than happy to have this. If there's a party and this is all they got, um, um, cool, um, copacetic, this is perfect, fine. Like I said, you'll be in trouble after like three or four of them, but you know, you make sure you're eating some pasta or something to like soak that all up, something greasy. But yeah, three eight. I'm giving mine the three eight. All right. All right. Okay, so uh, let's pause to refill to get our second beers, and then we'll tackle. Our next subject, yeah? Sounds good. So, ladies and gentlemen, we got our beers back. We're going to go through them for you again. Uh, Andrew, why don't you start us off this time? What do you have? I have guava. How did you say it? Goze? Go, goze. 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 Yeah. I yeah. just would have said ghosts, but guava yeah. goze from Collective Arts Brewing. It is a, a goze ale brewed with guava, coriander, and Himalayan salt, and it's got some cool art on the can. Yep, it's four point percent. Uh, yeah, I believe you said yeah, and yep, twelve yep. view. Yep. All right. Uh, I have um, Old Man Winter Winter Ale, another Winter Ale for you here. Nice, uh, just pretty even label here. Kind of 
nice, but nothing crazy. Um, by Southern Tier Brewing Company. I know we've had beers from Southern Tier before. This is a 7.5% ABV winter ale with 57 IBUs. Uh, and Sean's got the uh, humdinger. Uh, Sean, you want to tell us what the humdinger is? Oh, yes. I have the Christmas bomb from the <laughs> Prairie Artisan Ales, Imperial Stout Brew with Spices. This motherfucker is 13% alcohol. It's a fucking wine in a beer bottle. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I didn't realize when I picked this up from the store, not only does it have a cute little spot the difference thing with Santa and Mrs. Santa, it's like spot the difference uh-huh. uh, game. Um, but I looked it up. It's very, very highly sought after online. Oh. Like It's like 93 on untapped, so it's outstanding. The, 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 whenever, whenever beers start hitting the twelve range, everyone says they're highly sought after because people just <laughs> smash. Drunk, yeah. It's like just get some wild turkey, guy. You'll be fine. No, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good. It gives me an excuse to bring out my uh, my little axe. Ooh, uh, that's right. Your little uh, uh, Viking bottle opener. That's right. All right, uh, zero IBU on that one. And here we go, folks. Again, uh, the the sound you're looking for. Ready? There you go. Open it up. Oh. Oh. Cheers, boys. Number two. Six beers. I was gonna say it must smell delicious. Oh, it smells like a fucking. It smells like a figgy pudding. Oh, this is nice. Oh, Jesus Christ. Mm. Oh, okay. This one isn't as deep as the last one, but it's just as smooth. A little bit higher in ABV. I just like winter ales. It's it's it's. It was a actually a winter ale was my first real introduction to craft brewing, and I think I've told you this, Sean, before. Uh, my buddy Simon um, introduced me to Pete's Wicked Winter Ale, or was it Pete's Wicked Winter <laughs> Pete's Wicked Winter Brew? And it was basically with raspberries and nutmeg. And this was like a little small brewery out of California because he used to work for Intel out on the, on the West Coast. He lived in Sacramento. And I just thought this beer was amazing. And so I, I, I'm very biased towards winter ales. So I'm really loving this already. This is, I, you guys, I know, Andrew, you're not a huge fan of um, stouts, but um, I know that, Tomo, you really appreciate this. This is really oh, fucking awesome beer. I mean, and you're probably not going to be able to find it now, you know, like, yeah, it just so happens to have been at my local craft beer store that's right around the corner that I only discovered after doing like, a handful of podcasts talking about how they can't get fucking beer in the woods. And now I found that there's like a little store that sells this great craft beer. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, um, that's the kind of beer that I would have either with some dessert that I usually wouldn't eat, kind of like wash it down, or I would just have that with like, I don't know, popcorn. <laughs> Cause I don't know if you ever done it. I've done it. I've just like made myself popcorn at home, you know, and I never, I never do the microwave or anything. I always like fry my popcorn, like pop it properly with wine. And if you've not done that yet, it's it's kind of like you, you would not think it's a combination that works. And I was like, 
wine and popcorn are really freaking fantastic together. <laughs> I couldn't tell you why, but they really, really are. What made you try that out? <laughs> I was just like, I think uh, we had uh, we had some company over, and of course, my wife doesn't drink. And I had like, uh, uh, and somebody wanted some wine, so I poured some wine, and I had a half a bottle of wine left over. And I was just like, oh, I, I wanted to catch some movie. I either had something on my DVR that I've been catching up on, or whatever it was on Netflix or whatever. I was like, oh, I'm gonna make myself some popcorn and you know finish off this bottle of wine. And I did it, and I was just like. This is, and I remember posting it like on Facebook or something, and, and and this actress I know, she was just like, is that not a life-changing thing? I was like, this is, why did nobody tell me that this is an amazing combo? It's like popcorn and wine, great. So that guy, I'd probably really enjoy with popcorn. Because you know what it is, when you put in the salt, it's kind of like a, a caramel cookie. You put in a little bit of salt, and all the flavors all of a sudden explode because the salt just brings it forward. And I think that's what does it. All right, so what's our subject for this row of beers? Are we doing, shall we talk about Hawkeye? Did you boys see Hawkeye all the way through? And comparison. All right, so let's, let's talk Hawkeye and then do a comparison of all the various uh, Disney Pluses so far and how you like them. All right, spoiler alert for Hawkeye. Spoiler alert for Hawkeye, everybody dies. Oh, no, nobody dies. <laughs> um... I enjoyed it. The Kingpin is a fucking video game boss. Yes, yes. Kingpin is in it. That's right. That's a, that's a, that was a little bit of a reveal. I wasn't. Ex I was kind of suspecting it. Yeah, I had heard like some rumors online, and I, I didn't watch it until after all the episodes had aired. So I feel like it's kind of already spoiled online. But oh, I was, yeah, I was doing a social media. Um, what you call it? Blackout. Cleanse. Bla yeah. I didn't look at social media for over a week, for a week and a half or something, because I was, till I got to, got to the theater to see the new Spider-Man. So I, I missed most of that. But um, yeah, Kingpin, that was exciting. I was a big fan of the Daredevil shows, and I loved Vincent yeah. D'Onofrio in those shows. Yes. Um, that was a nice, that I, was a nice pickup. I feel like ultimately they kind of waste him in this show. Like it was super cool when he turned up and then it was... Yeah. I, I didn't love what they did with him. I like how strong he is, though. Like, they never did that. He was never that strong in Daredevil. Yes, he was. He, was like well, a he, he fought yes. Daredevil, though. Yeah. yeah he was he that, he was that strong. He was that strong when the Punisher came after him. Mm. He literally, there was like... Oh, in prison, right? In prison. There was like 270. Somebody tried to choke him. They were spotting him. He was bench pressing. And he was benching like 275 or 315. And they tried to choke him with the bar. And he stood up and he literally picked up the freaking bar and like use it yeah. like that. And it was just like, what the hell, you know? So they did reveal that he's like crazy strong. Yeah. Something I read online about it that I didn't realize in watching it, you know how he like gets shot with the arrow and it like didn't really hurt him. I forgot about this, but they were saying, and the thing I was reading online, they were saying that they continued the thing from the Daredevil shows, which was his suits and his clothes were actually like bulletproof. Kevlar, yeah, 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 yeah. Had made so it was like some of the, so his Hawaiian shirt was basically bulletproof, which I thought Kevlar, was yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought. I, I mean, I thought the way they approached it was really good. I liked. I really liked the whole like PTSD approach that Hawkeye had. That all of a sudden he's like basically deaf without the hearing aid. Yeah, and they're like, "What happened?" And it was just like, "I've had a million things explode around my head." That's what happened. I'd, like, I'm screwed. Like, literally. 
And he's not a superhero. Like the other dudes had it, but they're superheroes, so they're fine. Right. He's like yeah, a yeah. guy. <laughs> he's a guy. Right, right, right. I mean, I kind of wish they did that a little bit more with like Falcon. Because he was yeah. just a regular dude with just like a wing pack, you know? So I, I, I wish they kind of did that more, but I that was an interesting approach. Um I didn't understand the I could I guess because I didn't watch all of the uh Marvel's Agents of Shield. So I didn't understand the whole reference to his wife being Agent 19. I don't know what that was supposed to I don't know that it, I don't know if it had anything to do with Agents of Shield, because the Marvel the shows and the movies have pretty much ignored that Agents of Shield show. So I don't know if it's supposed to be a tie into that or if it's just supposed to be like, hey, she's a she, she used to be a she's a shield, shield agent, right? Yeah, right, right. right. And probably that's how they had met, and blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, I think they're tying into the future. I, I read someone speculating that she might be a character I, I wasn't aware of, a Marvel character, that they might be using this to shoehorn the fact that she's actually going to be another Marvel character. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Um, I've forgotten who. I you'd know. I I can't. I can't remember who, but um. She was. She was one of. I guess at some point she was Hawkeye's love affair, but she was like a hero of her own. Right, right, right. right. I think they're trying well, to do that. Shoehorn her in that way. I really, I didn't know what to think about the fact that Haley Stanfield was in it, but I really liked the way they kept it light and kind of silly at the same time. And she's just like the daughter of rich parents, and I like the whole tie-in, like the attack on Manhattan, because that's where she got inspired to do all these things. Um, and the fact that he kind of like took her under his wing kind of thing, which is kind of like from the movies and everything, it's what Hawkeye does. It's like, right, they, they were talking about the whole inspiration speech he did for Wanda in like Age of Ultron. And he's just like, look, I'm just a guy with a bow and arrows. None of this shit makes sense. So you either come out and you fight or you stay here, which is cool. But when you come out and fight, you're an Avenger. Put your shit together. Otherwise, I, I can't babysit you and be out there at the same time you know so um the fact that he looked after her and then like all the people and the fact that he would as the whole the, the fact that they approached the whole Ronin thing like you know uh, um these are the consequences of him just being like a psycho for five years killing like every criminal on the planet you know that kind of thing yeah i, I, I always felt i felt like that never got its um it still didn't get its full due no, like if we're supposed to really care that much or like he's like he's trying to right his wrongs from having done that. I feel like we as an audience deserve to see a little bit more of that and know more about it. Because all you got was like that one glimpse in Endgame and then a couple glimpses in this show. Like I right. feel like they could have they could have been one whole episode in this series. that was all flashback episode of just his time as Ronan and really yes. giving you that story. But that would have probably been too dark for Disney Plus show. Um, probably, probably they they could have really done it with with uh, what's her face like just maybe even if they had like uh, uh, deleted scenes with Scarlett Johansson like getting to locations after he's already like taken everybody out. Yeah, you know because she was the one that found him, uh, um, and she went looking for him alone. Right, Cap wasn't there because Cap would have been felt compelled to put him down for mm -hmm. doing that. You know that kind of thing. So I, I, I think what you're saying is right. Like we, it probably would have worked out better if they did something like that. But overall, the feeling was kind of like they had some good gags in there with all the like uh, um, 
live action role playing, you know, uh, uh, people helping out. That was fun. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, again, um, Kingpin showed up in it. That was just a real nice little bonus. I thought uh, Vera Farmiga was really good in it. I thought she did a good job. Like, she was great. She was great. Like, I think by the third episode, I was just like, okay, she's she's up to some monkey business. Mom is doing it. Like, I mean, the is a red herring, like, completely. You know, it was just like, uh, I'm not sure. And I think they might make him into another Marvel character, too, because of the sword fighting. And I'm wondering if he's going to be like a Moon Knight or somebody like that, you know, from the Marvel comic books. Well, we already have a Moon Knight, but he's... Uh, no, I'm sorry, not Moon Knight. Um, there's another character, not Moon Knight. Moon Knight is, yeah, Oscar Isaac. Um, uh, Zora. Sure. Um, <laughs> he's very I charming. I liked him. He yes. I liked him a lot. I think he would have been the best way to introduce... Because they fucked around with it a long time and they kept teasing it never happened. But I think that guy, that actor, that character, that style would have been a really good way to introduce properly Gambit into X-Men. Like an older, sort of cheesy, sort of like, uh, guy. I can see that. Yes. I always love Gambit. And I always think the best part about Gambit is the same thing about Harrison Ford with Indiana Jones. Is He always was like, the dude who throws cards and has a stick and basically just chats up women and like yeah. his friends. Like he was like, but he just hung around, and didn't really want to be there, and just was like, oh, what are we doing? Like, okay, and he was cool, but he was he would never really be able to hang with everyone. Kind of yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like I like that guy's character. I I, I really love this show. For me, this is ri- it might have been my favorite. My favorite Marvel Disney Plus show. I love the vibe of Christmas. I love the Christmasy vibe. I, I love that whole thing. Loki is by far my favorite hmm. of the Marvel Plus, of the Disney Plus shows. Loki is by far my favorite, but I would probably say this one is second. I kind of, hmm. I mean, I guess part of it is like I didn't have any expectations for Hawkeye, I guess, whatever. I know everybody was like loving on on uh, WandaVision so much, and I thought they left so many just like holes in the story there, and it just kind of didn't make sense. Um, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier would have like they would sort of try to push something and make it a little more gritty and real, and then they backed off from it because they didn't want to like upset I don't know the Midwest or something. I don't know what what the reasoning was. So it was kind of like, oh, you guys are on the right track. And then the next episode is like, oh, yeah, this is lame. Okay. Kind of thing. And yeah. he was great from beginning to end, especially ending it with, with Jonathan Majors, who was brilliant, I thought. And Hawkeye was kind of like, it never tried to be anything but this thing of trying to fix the past and just being a little bit lighthearted and Christmassy and this whole thing. And I just. Well, I think it's the most universe building out of all of them because. When you look at all the people they're bringing in, like they're bringing in, they're bringing in Florence Pugh's character. She's um, great. She was great. Who's obviously going to be like a young Avenger, mm-hmm. and you, they're bringing in Kingpin, who's obviously going to be a next big bad dude. Um, at least locally, Haley Stanfeld, who's obviously going to be another young Avenger. Like the others were pretty standalone. 
I mean, with the exception of Loki in the end with Jonathan Majors, right. for the most part, all the others were very standalone. Like they didn't yes. really. They went until yes. the last episode to go. Oh, here's something that might get continued. Uh, this one, I mean, one division. One division brought some of it in to try to tie stuff in because they brought in uh, what's her face from that was the little girl in Captain Marvel. So one oh, yeah, tried to Marvel. do a little bit more than that, and then of course with uh, Agatha Harkness and all of that. So they definitely tried to build on that and tie into obviously Doctor Strange. Um, but I think you're right in terms of building further and more characters and kind of showing them what direction we're going into. And and I mean, I didn't even think of it until you just said it. I'm kind of guessing the keys of the kingdom might end up with Tom Holland because right, because he was talking about just months ago that if he's 30 years old and still doing Spider-Man, he's doing something wrong. Mm. And next thing you know, literally like maybe a month after that, Sony's like, oh no, we signed him for another three movies. So either he really meant that and he wants to be an actor or his agent was like, um, or his agent basically said like, great, my kid doesn't want to do this. If you want another three movies, we're, we're looking at Downey Jr. Or, 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 or Evans, Chris Evans numbers. Because yeah. even Hemsworth is talking and he's saying like, he doesn't think Marvel is really looking much into him anymore. So, um, and I think you're right. I, I think they might be going for like a really young batch of Avengers because one, they could probably get him for a lot less money, right? Downey Jr. has been an actor for 40 years. You know, the, 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 the union shit that comes along and obviously what did he get paid for that last one? Like, you know, something like that, 50 mil for one fucking movie or two movies, whatever it was. Um, so, and you're saying like Holland's probably not getting paid as much. He might be getting paid like five, six mil per movie. Although I think it's probably more than that at this point. Because the way they structure these things is like, uh, uh, um, where are you the lead? So the first Spider-Man Alone movie is the first movie where he was the lead. And unless his agent's fabulous, right? He, he kind of appeared in Civil War. That first Spider-Man movie would be like a three hundred thousand dollars salary. Yeah. Maybe. Well, he apparently could because I remember he did make a lot. Apparently, his salary for his for Civil War was two hundred fifty grand. Mm -hmm. And then he made he made like one point five for um, Homecoming for, for Homecoming. Oh. Okay. And four and then four million. Uh, far from home. Um, okay, so, so he agent hooked him up. But to put it into context, Toby Maguire made twenty one and a half million for the third Spider Man, and yeah. that was how many years ago? Oh wow! Yeah, like it's kind of. But that was when you consider but, that, and that was before Marvel was what it is now. Right, but Toby Maguire also, like I said, one of the things they do is like, how many times have you are you the lead? And that's kind of like a, 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 a metric that they use for like what you're going to get paid. And Tobey Maguire was a lead in a couple of other movies before Spider-Man even came along. Uh, he was that like Wonder well, Boys. Welcome to Pleasantville. Uh, he was the lead with with uh, what's her name? Uh, blonde, uh, uh, legally blonde. Um, I can't think of her name right now. Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon. Yes. Mm. Pleasantville. He was the lead in that. So, yeah, and those movies, I mean, when we did our list, 
Spider-Man 2 was like, I think, number four on the list when just for inflation, how much money it made. Mm-hmm. Like Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock was just blah. So, yeah, in, in, in retrospect, I'm guessing for this, for this next batch of movies, he's probably getting double-digit millions for each one. Yeah, and each one deserves it. I mean, 10, 10, 15 million. Well, the fact that the this Spider-Man broke a billion worldwide in the first week—that's nuts. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's Sony, nuts. Sony owns him because he's going. He's going to be in the Uncharted movies. He's leading that, which of course yeah. is Sony because that's fucking PlayStation. Like, yeah. So he's he's going to be like their Tom Cruise. It looks like with with Daisy. Uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Daisy uh, Ridley. Yeah, she's in that with him. Which I was telling, I was talking with my wife. Yep. I don't think so. No, I think you're thinking, of, you're thinking of one of those movies that already came out that, that he was in. Oh, was okay. It, oh, yeah. Um, Chaos oh. something, wasn't it? Oh, okay. I don't know. I didn't know if the movie was out or yet or not. Oh, yeah. It was supposed to be shit. I heard it was not good. Yeah, I heard it was shitty too. No, uh, the Uncharted movies got him and, who's it, Mark Wahlberg in it? <laughs> oh right, right, right! I, I saw the trailer for that. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But also, he's got two big uh, animated things under his belt too, where he's the lead or co-lead. Right? He has Spies in Disguise with Will Smith, where he's the scientist kid that turns him into a pigeon, and then he has uh, what was it, Homeward Bound or something like that, where he's an elf and it's like an elf-based world, and it's like him and Chris Pratt. Are the lead characters in it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Pixar movie. I, Pixar movie. I don't Not know Homeward how it's Bound. Gonna... Homeward Home Bound Home. is the dog movie, oh, yeah. isn't it? From yeah, like the 90s. What do I know? <laughs> um, I, I know which one. You, I know which one you're talking about. The like, Blue Elves or something. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's a multiverse thing. Maybe they can do it simultaneously. I don't see how, but I honestly cannot see how Marvel will not are they going to sit on Miles Morales as just a Spider-Verse character. Well, Off the back yeah. of Spider-Verse, and now with the new one coming out, it's going to get so big. Surely, eventually, they're going to be like, we have to make Miles Morales be Spider-Man. Like, hold that, thought. hold that thought. Go see the movie. Oh. oh okay. Okay. It's, it's, it's nothing concrete, but there is a little mention to that. Okay, that's good. That's cool. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, that was the thing that Tom Holland was saying. He was like, I don't want to do any more Spider Man. I want somebody to be Miles Morales. Like, that's the next Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Go with that kind of stuff. And the next yeah. uh, Into the Spider Verse, they're splitting into two movies already. Did you guys see the trailer for that? Yeah, it looks good. That looks awesome. It, it looks, looks really so crazy. good. The animation I love how they is don't wild. Care. Oh, they don't care. They're like, this is a fucking comic book. With yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant what they did. I mean, let's face it, and, and we've said this before, uh, uh, Into the Spider-Verse, arguably the best Marvel movie. Animated yeah. or not. Animated or not, like literally, I think it's like one of the best Marvel movies. And Haley Steinfeld. That should be the only time that's ever happened where someone's yeah. playing simultaneously two different roles in the same Marvel company. Yeah. Kind of weird. Well, because you into the Spider-Verse is Sony's, technically. Is it? Yeah, it's Sony. It's not Disney. It's not part of that. But, it, but it's Marvel. Yeah, but Sony owns the rights to 
the Marvel to, to the Spider-Man characters, just like Venom. When Venom came out, that's not Disney or MCU. That's Sony. Mm. But did you see the? Um, they t- I didn't watch either of the Venoms, but I saw because we were talking about it. The the like the end credit, like the post credit sequence of New Venom. They're tying it. It, it is tied, but apparently well, they're going to use that to just. It's tough to get into all this without spoiling without revealing everything. Yes, spoiling I, No Way Home. I haven't. Okay. I haven't seen. I haven't seen either of the Venoms, so I have to watch them. Basically, what they've done is Sony and Marvel have come up with a way that if they want to, they can keep making as many Tom Holland movies as they want, and they can still Sony can still have a hand in it, but it can still be part of the MCU and Disney, and then separately. They can make their own Venom and Morbius and all these other Correct. movies. And if they want Correct. to jump around, they've now like set and it up she- so that they can they can do that if they want to. The same way that Doc, this isn't a spoiler; it's in the trailer. Same way that Doc Ock crossed over from the old Tobey Maguire movies into the MCU. Technically, yeah. Yeah. they they have the ability, but it still is like its own thing. So as far as like the the into the Spider Verse goes, that's a Sony movie. It's not a it's not a Disney movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've, they've set up a lot with this movie. That's why I think, that's why I think Tom Holland is going to be the new, basically Downey Jr. for Marvel for the next series. Like what, what are we phase four or five? What, what is it now? It's four. It's on right yeah. now. Right. Yeah. I had heard too, that they're looking to make um, Benedict Cumberbatch, Dr. Strange is like the new sort of Tony Stark. I think but it's I've heard be, that, and I've heard the same thing you just said. With Tom but Holland but too, but so. I mean, it, it's kind of like I think he's going to kind of be the supervisor, right? He's yeah. he, he's going to be what Nick Fury was to the Avengers. Mm. You know what I mean? He's kind of behind the scenes, pulling all the strings and making sure everything is happening the way it should happen. Mm. Yeah. But it's going to be like you know Haley Steinfeld, Florence Pugh, Tom Holland, you know, and whoever else. That they bring in that's new because um, I don't know if you caught it and I don't know Andrew if you're much of a comic book fan but they actually in No Way Home there's a reference to a character that's going to be in Love and Thunder and I don't know if I, miss, I, don't think I, I caught it because I was just like wait a minute I know that shape like in the sky kind of thing and I was just like oh okay oh okay no I I was trying to make out I didn't I I didn't make out much of anybody I made out like one or two characters in that scene I gotta see it again too. yeah yeah no it was really good um but yeah in terms of the Disney plus series I would definitely say oh and we didn't mention what if I really enjoyed what if I, I didn't mean, watch what if oh I didn't watch either you didn't watch what if no okay Man. Uh, well, um, at the end of the Doctor Strange trailer, it's a direct tie-in to What If. Oh. I did hear about that episode. So definitely watch that. Some of them, some of the episodes were better than others. Some were just silly fun. And it was obviously like meant for like kids and cartoony and kind of stuff. And they just had fun with it, you know, because they they really had like Chris Hemsworth for the voiceover. They had, you know, a Tom Hiddleston for the voiceovers. They had like a lot of the actors were actually there for the voiceovers. I think Evans wasn't, Downey Jr. wasn't, Scarlett Johansson wasn't of the main characters. Otherwise, I think everybody else was there in whatever. Like the, uh, the other actors, like, like I said, Hemsworth, 
um, Sam Jackson. Uh, 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 I'm not sure if if uh, Paul Rudd was. I think he was. Mark Ruffalo, I believe, was as well. So you know, uh, Chadwick Boseman, right? That was his Chadwick last, Boseman was definitely his last performances to T'Challa, technically. Yeah, uh, that that was that was a great episode. I enjoyed that one with him with with uh, Black Panther with T'Challa actually. That was fun. So definitely check it out. And like I said, you'll the Doctor Strange episode of What If is a direct tie-in to the multiverse. I, I feel like Doctor Strange, uh, A, because of the character, and B, because Bendit Cumberbatch is a big actor who's obviously going to go on to do a bunch of things, is I, I feel like if there was ever a character that you could do like a full-on Doctor Who with, it's Doctor Strange. Like with yeah. the multiverse. As far as like full-on replace the actor, and don't acknowledge it. Like, just be like, oh, he changed. He looks different now. No, yeah, that just happens when you deal with the fucking multiverse. Like, yeah, yeah. You could totally change the act who plays Doctor Strange. Well, and, I, well, and not and not change the universe or the story. Like, and not be like a handing a baton. Like, no, he's just a different actor now, but he's still the same dude. Like, well, you know, there, there's a, there's a, something that happened in No Way Home. I'm not going to reveal, obviously, but I'm wondering, Andrew, if you caught it with reference to Doctor Strange, how in one scene he says he doesn't have something, and then the next scene he seems to have it. And it's just kind I of... I did notice that, but I don't know if that was... I just thought it was he still has the jewelry, just not the... Um... Right. So that's why, that's why I was kind of like, is this the same guy? You know, that, that, that's why I was like, like, oh, wait a minute. So, um, it, it, Sean, it's really... I mean, like I said, uh, Loki, my favorite of the Disney Plus. Hawkeye, second favorite. <sighs> what if, what if in WandaVision are like three and four, and then I'd say Falcon and Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier to me had so much more potential than WandaVision, I thought. Mm. But again, like I said, they're doing they're trying to do so many tie-ins now to just expand things more and more that we don't know what the long-term plans for these things are and when they come out you're going to go back and go like, oh well that's why that didn't make sense at the time we had to wait until 2025 to realize that everything's been put together through this so yeah but um and also no you got to think when it comes to leading the avengers when they finally get around to doing fantastic four you have to think that that Mr. Fantastic is going to be a leader. I think, well, I think, I don't know what they're going to do with that. They, they might. But I mean, if they're going to try and stay true to the comic books, which they more or less have been, the Fantastic Fours, Fantastic Four never really part of the Avengers, right? No, they were never part of the Avengers. They were their own team. They were never really leaders. Like where the Avengers kind of like basically patrolled the Earth and kept the Earth safe. The Fantastic Four was always more esoteric. They were just like, we're going after Galactus. We're going after basically like if if Thanos came through again in the Fantastic Four, the Fantastic Four would have found them like three galaxies away and stopped them there. That's what the Fantastic Four would have done. Because Frank, because uh, 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 Reed Richards is basically where, you know, Tony Stark is brilliant. Reed Richards is is kind of the guy who's too lost in like serious thinking to bother with these trinkets that Tony's developing. Mm. Kind of thing. He he could look back on it and say like, 
that's interesting. I see how you did this, blah, 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 blah. Like he would just have to look at Tony's design and figure it out instantly. And they never really addressed that because they made Shuri what she is. But T'Challa was like that too. He was like a super smart guy. And of course, with the whole Wakanda having advanced technology and everything like that, like when Tony wasn't around or when he was in one of his alcoholic ranges, like in the comic books, T'Challa was kind of like their science go-to guy. So, and oh, and then of course there's a controversy with that. Shuri is no more in Black Panther 2. Letitia Wright. They, 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 I think they should candor. Like first she got injured and then she didn't want to get immunized to work on the set. Yeah, I heard that. I can't believe that they would have got rid of it. I mean, I don't, I don't know how the fuck did they do that? How did you manage that? I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure they were setting her up to be like the successor to, to yeah, Chad for sure. Chadwick yeah. Boseman died, so I don't know what they're going to do with this movie. I, I, I know the big dude. What's his name? Yeah, he's a Mbaka. Mbaka, yeah. The character Mbaka, the character's name. Yeah, the dude Mbaka. that was in uh, the dude that was in us. What's his name? He's great. Um, du- Dukes is is his last name Dukes? Winston. Winston. Winston Duke? I think so. I think so. Yeah, Winston Duke. He's from he's from Tobago. Okay, but he went to Yale, so he sounds very American. Yes, Sean, he went to Yale. My vote. My vote is for Jussie Smollett. (laughs) Juicy (laughs) Smollett. Juicy Smollett. Maybe you heard of him. Juicy. (laughs) Juicy Smollett. Yeah, you saw that right. Chappelle yeah, yeah, Chappelle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Juicy, I famous, famous French actor, yeah. Juicy Smollett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. That was nothing we made talk about. Did you see that special that he got, you know, all over again, all the shit for? Oh, his newest? I, the closest? I, I, I didn't see his latest special, actually. I want to see it before I really comment on it. The most I'll comment on it is is... And he's done this before. Like, I really enjoyed his comedy more before. And I see it happen with a lot of comedians. They tend to get bitter as they get older and richer. And it's kind of like, why the fuck are you getting bitter now? Like, you're, you're literally making $20 million every time you make a freaking special. Like, what's there to be bitter about? And the way he, yeah. he tries to approach it from a reasonable angle where he says, like, look, I didn't do anything wrong, but my wrong is less wrong than your wrong. And I'm like, that's kind of a half-ass apology. Don't expect people to like embrace it full-heartedly and think you're right. Again, I didn't see the special. I want to see the special. Yeah, I think you need to see it because I think what he's doing in this special is he's making a point. And if you watch it from beginning to end, he's really (laughs) making one point. And he, at the end of the special, like drops the mic and makes that point. And that's not anything that anyone's talking about. People are pulling out sound bites and saying, like, yes, oh, he said well, this, trying to make it, which has nothing to do with the actual point he was trying to make. And it's weird. It's funny, too, because in a lot of ways, I don't know, Sean, I don't know what you thought, but like it almost wasn't really like a comedy special. It was more like a social discussion. commentary. It was, like a so- it was a social commentary <laughs> special. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought. I think if you really take it for every, you, you got to watch the entire thing and really see yes. what he's got to say, and then you can talk about it. But yeah, if you just yeah, yeah. Pull out these sound bites and stuff. Yes, well, work, I, that was 
that was my biggest problem. I mean, look, my biggest problem with that, it, it, it was exactly the people that were coming out in the trans community or outside the trans community who were calling him all these names based on the special without obviously having watched it. Because right. it doesn't make sense. They'll, you know, it's like they, they didn't stick they didn't stick the long run. They didn't stick to the, the you, you can't have an opinion if you don't stick it out and watch the whole thing. Right. But I mean, look, if you can't stick out your son gender, then you're not going to stick out the specialist. Maybe that's <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a history there with a, a short attention span. <laughs> <laughs> we just lost Andrew. Technical difficulties. He's gone. That was too far. Oh, no. Push it too oh, geez. oh, sorry, guys. I'd love to. I'd love to comment and share my opinion on that, but I seem to have missed it. So I guess we'll just move on. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, I think Andrew farted again. This is what happened. That's why he turned himself off so the mic wouldn't. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, classic. <laughs> a Christmas classic. It's a Christmas classic. Well, I just finished my beer too. Speaking of Christmas classics, I'm almost right. done with this. That's excellent, Sean. How are you doing on on, on the Christmas bomb? Drop the Christmas bomb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, guys, this is only halfway through. This is going to be trouble. Oh man, this is going to be trouble. Rather me than you. Last year it was last year it was you who got pretty messy, and that was that was also funny. Yes, well, I always get a lot of messy. I mean, I'm just a messy old man. I'm just a messy old man. Messy. I was yelling at you about your opinions on uh, "It's a Wonderful Life." Tomo was talking all that shit about "It's a Wonderful Life." Remember, Sean? We were going after him. Remember that shitty ass movie that's not a Christmas movie and got voted the best Christmas movie? Garbage. It is a Christmas movie, and it's garbage film. Garbage. And you're the only person with that opinion. Garbage. And the Die, Hard. Die Hard is a better movie than that. Garbage. Oh, I haven't seen the new. Um, speaking of that, before we grade our second row of beers, I haven't seen the new Batman trailer. Did you guys see the new Batman trailer? Yeah. You say new? What does that mean? Just it's, came out like two, three days ago. Oh, if no. even like yesterday, even maybe. It's, it's like no the third trailer now, technically. Right. We meet. Oh. We meet Catwoman. Yeah, you see a lot of Catwoman. Oh, I see. I saw her in the last trailer. I saw. I saw some it's, Catwoman. No. Uh, it's no. This is like Catwoman meets Batman. Oh, yeah. Which I, I'm kind of like laughing because it's like, you know, and, and if, thankfully they picked Zoe Kravitz because she's like what five feet tall, is that so that like Robert Pattinson looks like super tall, I suppose. But uh, it was just like a little bit laughable. It's like, oh, okay, I guess. I don't know. I've heard this movie's really good from the looks from great. like. Through the grapevine, apparently it's incredible. Like, mm. there's a degree of um, there's a degree of comfort it seems that's coming with this movie. Where from what I've heard is Matt Reeves is like he's basically going on his own. Like he's not working in the DC Justice League universe. He's like, okay. it's like Joker. He's like, hey, do whatever the fuck you want. Like, make the best Batman movie you can make without having to worry about continuation or plot. Yeah, I'm okay. all for that. Like, yeah, it looks yeah. good. It really does. Good, good, good. I, I have to see. I have to see the latest trailer and see what's going on with that. All right. Uh, well, uh, let's let's grade our second row of beers, shall we? Um, what do we got? I'll go. Okay. This guy. Now call problem. 
<laughs> this guy is really good. I um I tried to not I didn't get any IPAs today because number one last year when we did the twelve years of Christmas I had four different IPAs which were all great but you guys know if I get my own choice I always go for an IPA so I'm trying to switch it up. So okay. This is kind of this is like the sour right? Yeah. The goze. Um, these are weird because. They don't necessarily taste like beers, you know, like they've got so much else going on that you're like, is this even a beer? Yeah. But after you start drinking it and you kind of get used to it, I always tend to like them. And this was really good. It's got like a lot going on. You can taste the citrus or whatever's in here. I don't even know what's in here, but the salt and everything else, like it's got a lot of different flavors and it's different from some other sours or ghosts or whatever you want to call them that I've had before. Mm -hmm. Um, and the can is kind of cool. It's a cool can. Yeah. Art design. Yeah. yeah. I won't say too much other than that. I really like it. Um, it's weird. I don't. It's tough to place these compared to other beers, like because they taste so different. Right. Um, but I like this quite a bit. I would give it a I'd give it like a four point two. Just wow. off the top of my head. Okay. I would not have thought you. Would liked uh, a, a, beer, a beer a sour like that that much so i'm impressed i don't know maybe it's just tonight or something maybe after going, coming off that light beer but i'm just really enjoying it so that's that great the highest that must be the highest ranked sour we've ever had i think so it probably is i mean I, I i had that awful thing that i like took two sips of it and i was sick for a day afterwards because it was just disgusting i still have three of them in the fridge i don't know who i'll like pawn them off on i think I, I'm thinking actually I, I might get like a lamb shank and like, you know, douse the lamb shank with that. So like it gets some nice flavor. That's about it. Oh. Anyway, Sean, what about a Christmas bomb? Christmas bomb. This thing is really fucking good. This is a good beer. Very alcoholic. Um, makes you say things that you'd regret. Uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it's, it's very uh, tasty. Okay. Uh, very tasty. I would give this beer a four, 4.5. Wow. A That's high praise from nice. the freaking Irishman. Wow. It's a very nice beer, man. And I was not expecting it when I first, because, you know, all disclosure, I had this beer before. Yeah. Um, last, a couple of weeks ago, because we thought we were going to make this episode sooner. Right. I'd not had any of the beers before, but I bought it and I drank all the beers at Christmas. And, yep. um, I brought this one back especially because I was it took it in the Santa Claus is on it. It's a fucking Christmas. It's called Christmas bomb. I'm like, I only bought it. It makes more it novelty. makes sense. Sure, sure. I was like, I was like, oh I'll try this fucking thing. And I drank it. I was like, what the fuck is that? Like it was completely took me by surprise. Um nice. really good. All right, four point five. Fair enough. Um but we should probably mention on this as well. I don't know if it's still out there. Our discovery of the Black Ops Brooklyn Brewery. Uh, oh, the, the the rose uh, barrels or whatever it was in. Yeah, yeah that's that really great. that's really nice. I mean, we had the original Brooklyn Black Ops, and that was originally one of the highest beers we ever graded. And if this one that we had is any indication of what it's still doing, it's still up there. Because if we had that one on the, I kind of thought it's almost like. I guess it's enough of a nuanced difference for, for beer drinkers to notice. But if we had that, that would probably be up there four, five, four, six. I think I have. Oh, it was great. 
I, I have one left or I drank it. I probably drank it before Christmas. I, I had a lot to drink on Christmas. It was so. cheap. Like we, I, yeah. the original Black Ops, I think it was, it was like a $30 bottle. $25 bottle, basically yeah. like two um, pints. Yeah. And you can't get that now. Like not officially, they're not making it. Like it's limited release. So you can find old, you know, in the store, dusty old bottles that are kept, but they're not making it anymore. So that's why they released this. And it was like, just like sixteen dollars for like yeah for the four pack yeah for four pints yeah 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 absolutely really tasty really good really good yeah um old man winter again just like uh, another winter ale like freezing season um just one percentage point higher ABV lovely beer um I go nothing more outstanding than freezing season uh, nothing less than freezing season. Solid beer, easy to drink. Who would not think it's a 7.5%? I'd give this a 3.8 again. It's just a really solid beer. That's it. All right. All right, folks. We're going to pause and go get our uh, uh, third row of beers. And we're going to see maybe, who knows, maybe Andrew throws an audible in this round. We don't know. We'll find out. See you in a sec. All right, folks. So um, we are back. And... We got our next round of beers. Uh, so I will start, gents, with the Abominable Snow Beer. Nice looking can. It's a whole like actually comic book scene. You can see like the snowman there and some, I guess, explorers sitting there taking a piss or something like that. I'm, for some reason, this is just look like, <laughs> these things are so misogynistic. There's, th there's four people in this exploration group. One guy standing up. And I don't know if he's supposed to have a knife in his hand or a gun or what. Two guys are kneeling and there's a woman there and she's lying down flat with her ass sticking up in the air. I'm just like, what? why is she in this position when the snowman shows up? I really don't understand. Anyway, this is a double wit ale, 7.5% alcohol by volume. And I believe uh, IBUs are not applicable. So that's what I'm having. And so it's by the... Um, Defiant Brewing Company out of Pearl River, New York, which is um, close by about a half hour drive from me, north from here in Rockland County, New York. Did you see, Tomo, that Cardi B just bought a house right just uh, in the town over from you? Oh, Cresco? Tenafly. Tenafly. Mm. She's sense. in the papers. She was telling all the papers about how proud she was to finally own a New York you yeah. always wanted a home in New York City, where she's from. She bought Except a she's New York City mansion in, in New Jersey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just like, she's so full of it. Yeah, anyway. All right, who's up next? Who's got the next beer? Okay, so, I'll go. I've I'm, I'm got the Rasmello Sour, mm. which is a Berliner Weisse style ale with raspberries and marshmallows. Mmm. <laughs> From Ross Brewing, 4.4% volume, 5 IBU, and it's a nice get. It's a nice palate something. Yeah. You, you know what? 13%. We were joking while we were like paused, and you were saying you're not sure if you did the right order. I think you did the absolute right order because I would have to be shit faced before I would try that beer. So the <laughs> fact that you had a 13% beer beforehand. That sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. Andrew? <laughs> I have got the Saranac Pumpkin Ale. 
which is a 5.3% ale brewed with pumpkin spices and natural flavors added. Okay. Saranac Brewery, Utica, New York. I think, did we look up the on untapped IBUs? No IBUs? Yes, uh, 15 no IBUs. IBUs. 15, 15 IBUs. Oh, 15. All right. 15. All right. All right, gents. Um, then let's let's crack these suckers open and give the people what they want to hear. Sounds of opening. Ready? One, two, three. Wait, how does the IBUs work? Like the lower the number, the more bitter it is, or higher the number? The higher the number, uh, higher, the higher. More bitter, yeah. Yeah. How yeah. in the world does Andrew have a pumpkin ale that is more bitter than my raspberry sour? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Because it's a sour, not a bitter. If it was a bitter, it'd be more bitter than his bitter. But yours is sour. So it's not. So, so Sean has higher ISUs. Probably. International mm. sour units. Yes. It smells like shit, guys. Smells <laughs> like shit. <laughs> well, cheers. Cheers to that, my friend. Happy New Year. All right, here we go. Oh. It doesn't taste quite as good in December, in late December, as it does in October <laughs> or November. Well, I'm pouring this one for color. This is obviously a much lighter one because it's a wit beer. But my initial impression isn't all that impressed, I guess. I'll say this for, for this one. It doesn't drink like a seven and a half. This feels like a regular pint of beer you get at the beer, at the at the pub you know if somebody said to me i don't know this was a uh uh whatever regular lager that they have at the pub i'd be like oh okay it doesn't it, it does not drink like a seven and a half percent so it has that going for it's uh, 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 so i'll see maybe by the end of this i'll probably like it more i probably will because i can feel myself liking things more as the night goes on I don't know what that has to do with that, this euphoria. I don't know where it comes from. <sighs> yeah. Just any, any, uh, Andrew, you gave your initial impression. And Sean, you told us it smells like shit. Does it taste like shit? It doesn't, actually. It, weirdly, I'm not, quite unexpectedly, this tastes exactly as it is advertised. But that's not the worst thing because. From my experience of beers, if someone tells me it's a fucking raspberry, sour ale brewed with raspberries and marshmallows, I'm thinking, well, that's going to taste like puke then. But actually, this is a cold drink that I take a sip of and it's sour <laughs> like it's raspberries, like I'm okay. drinking like a raspberry seltzer. It's okay. like cool. And then on the back end, it genuinely tastes like there's just marshmallows in my mouth. And not in like a artificial overpowering weight yeah right, right. Like, where right. I'm like, like no right. it just tastes like marshmallows it's really weird okay and it's, fair enough so what i'm saying is it's actually drinkable considering it's exactly what it says it is it's one of the most successful beers i've ever drunk as far as what it says and what it is right right well because we've had that that gross. chocolate it's just we've had that chocolate strawberry vanilla uh, uh, a milkshake beer 
that was yeah. terrible. Yeah, that was that was awful. I mean, awful. This this is exa- I don't know how. I mean, I know how you can get raspberries to taste like raspberries in the beer, but I don't really know or understand how they've managed to get this marshmallow flavor in. I, I um, can give you a secret on how they make raspberry flavor in in the food industry. If you want to hear, anal glands of cows. No. Oh. You're right. It's not anal glands, but you're 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 in the right direction. Ooh. It's uh, from the urinary glands of the beaver. It's basically beaver piss. Tastes like raspberry. <laughs> nice. Okay. So somewhere in Canada, they're selling that to everybody down south here. Nice. All well, the beaver for case, the beers. To get the marshmallow, I assume they took ra- they took beaver piss, chucked in like a cup full of sugar, and set the whole thing on fire. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> All right. Okay. Are we okay. saying that beaver piss is more accessible than raspberries? <laughs> Apparently, cheaper. Industry. It's easier to get cheaper. Cheaper. Cheaper is. Hold on. That I'll, seems like that'd be a that'd be a whole ordeal. Let, let me see. You gotta go. Where are you gonna go? You gotta find their beaver dam. Find them. Yeah, well, here, here we go. Here we go. Capture Be- them. Beaver berries. You just pick. Listen, listen to this. Beaver butts emit goo used for vanilla flavoring. Okay. Ooh. Um. Here's another one. You might have consumed this beaver sack excretion without knowing. <laughs> So here we go. Ever heard of eau de musque? It's not the grain bill, the price tag, the finish, or even the fact that this bourbon is made in New Hampshire that make it an intriguing product. Instead, it's unusual flavoring component that gives eau de musque its signature scent and taste. It's called castoreum, a secretion. All right, so I'm gonna stop reading right here. Anytime someone says a secretion, I, I, I don't want to eat it. Anyway. It's a secretion uh, harvested from the castor glands of beavers. And so basically, they're like butt glands in a beaver. So not piss. I was wrong. It was more like shit. So. Right. You're right, Andrew. You would think, wouldn't it just be easier to pick a bunch of freaking raspberries than to like squeeze the shit out of a poor little beaver minding his own fucking business in the woods, you know, kind of thing. But apparently they have whole like zoos filled with beavers and they just come every once in a while and go, you know. Have, the problem is they have weird seasonal employees. Like there's no controlling George. You tell him to go get raspberries and what he comes back with is something entirely different, but that's what he does. That's George's thing. <laughs> you know what? I can't tell you how many beavers poor George has raped <laughs> over the years and brought them back and said, these guys taste like vanilla. <laughs> you, it reminds me, slightly off piece, I, going back to James Bond, I was completely, I was thinking about you. Wait, wait a minute. Okay. I know, but I have to stop this whole line of thought. We're talking about beavers getting raped and yeah. ant plants. Yeah. And this is what my good friend yeah. Sean says. Oh, because, speaking of that, I was watching James Bond, and now that you mention anal glands and rape, I thought of you. Okay. Now continue. Because, because I've heard many a story. Before okay. you were in the wonderful, uh, in the wonderful world of performance, uh-huh. 
when you uh, were a lab-based gentleman. Yes. Working in the world of biotechnical chemistry. Correct. Business. Yes. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but, yes. you, but there's the whole bit in James Bond, which is funny to British people because the main guy in it, the really famous British comic guy, Hugh Dennis, plays a scientist. But the whole scene in the lab of the scientists who were just normal people fucking around and like, I was like, this is like, this is like all the Turbo stories. I feel yes. like you must have been watching that being like, this yes. is what it's like to work in a lab. It's, it is. Terrorists come in and like, you know, no, it, it's, it's truly. And that scene where they're all just like fucking around or just like whatever, that is tame compared to what our lab was. <laughs> like it really, really was. Where like, you put fucking what was it you put like a bowler not a bowler you put like put fucking like you put like an Ebola tag on the sandwich or something yeah like, like, something like that. I'm telling you we used <laughs> to walk around in our lab and we used to say we don't even have to write shit we just have to have like set up like four camcord like a dozen camcorders around the lab and record and edit and we will have the biggest hit show you've ever fucking seen like throw a couple of them in the men's room as well just to hear the shit that's going on in there and and boom and and then a couple in the cafeteria and we would have had a hit show like the characters that work in science like that are just unreal like people don't realize like everyone thinks like oh scientists they're really stiff and this and that it's like no they're all a bunch of weirdos and freaks <laughs> so, so yeah so yeah so you're correct in, in in that analysis from james bond yes absolutely very nice Yes. All right. So what are we delving into now? Are we going to go into Dune? I haven't seen Dune, but both of you gentlemen have seen Dune. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what did you, what did you boys think? It's not like I'm missing anything. I mean, I've read the book. I've seen the original Dune. So, I mean, wasn't the, the TV series Dune that was supposed to be the sequel? Isn't that where uh, McAvoy got his start that they did on Sci-Fi Channel? Oh, back I'm in the nineties. Sure Back in the nineties, I think that's what was it. Was Boy in that? I don't think so. I bloody, I, I bloody well think he was. So I Let's think his see. first thing was Shameless. Like the first thing I ever saw him in Shameless. And Ch I think that Dune series predates Shameless. Well, maybe not. No, Children of Dune. Oh, oh, Children of Dune. Children of Dune. Oh, I'm thinking something else. Was there oh, a yeah, Dune yeah. TV show yeah. that was there? Was this his, yeah? What was his name? Um, yeah, I saw that. Um, my my granddad bought it for me on DVD, on like VHS or DVD or something like that. And it was awful. Two thousand three. Mm. Not nineties. Two thousand three. Yeah, had them um, like William Hurt in it. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not good. All right. So, well, what do you guys think great. of? Okay. Dune was great. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I saw it in IMAX. So visually, Ooh. it was right, unbelievable. Right. The cinematography is unreal. Was it the same? Uh, it, this was Dennis uh, Villeneuve. Did he use the same cinematographer as Blade Runner or somebody else? Well, Blade Runner was um, was Roger Deakins. I don't think Roger Deakins did this. Let me look it up. Okay. Um, I don't know who. Was it Deakins? No, it was... Um... Let's look it up. Yeah. Do it. Dead air. Mm -mm -mm. Cinematographer. Someone named Greg Frazier. Okay. Frazier! He's probably. Who, oh. He's done. Let's see. He did Rogue One, Zero Dark Thirty. Oh. Episode, episodes of The Mandalorian. 
Vice, among other okay. things in his credits, but the cinematography was unbelievable. Um, okay. Everyone in the cast is fantastic. You know, it's yeah. pretty much an all-star cast. Everyone and their mother was in that yeah. movie. They were all okay. great. Um, I don't know that I really have seen, I don't know that I've seen any of Timothy Chalamet's movies, like where he's like a lead. I think the only thing I've really seen him in prior to Dune was he's in um, Interstellar as one of Matthew McConaughey's kids, like that's barely in it. When the early scenes, his son oh, I, I don't is played by that. I didn't even know it until I didn't know that. more recently, you know, but the younger version, then the later version is played by um, Casey Affleck as he gets older, but. Right. That aside, I don't know that I had really seen him in anything before this. So I didn't come in with any preconceived, preconceived notions right. about Timothy Chalamet. I thought he was fantastic. Um, okay. It was really great. And he carries the movie really well. Um, okay. And Denny Villeneuve's fantastic. I like everything he's done. So I had pretty, pretty high hopes for it. Um, but I didn't have necessarily any expectations because I knew nothing about Dune going into it. So I just kind of went in pretty clean. Um, I really liked it. Uh, and okay. fortunately, they greenlit the sequel, which is cool because, you know, initially they had said like, oh, you can, he wanted to make it in two movies and the studio told him, we'll do that, but you got to make enough money on the first one before you greenlight the second one. Which okay. was already a gamble because it's this deep sci-fi movie. Will it be right. a commercial hit or not? Then the pandemic happened and Warner Brothers said, we're going to release it on HBO Max and in theaters. And it pretty much seemed like all hope for the sequel was dead there because right. movies weren't, aren't making, up until Spider-Man just now, making nearly what they were making before. No, and I so, was going to say, James Bond didn't make much in the movies, did it? It did well compared to most other things or many of the things in the pandemic. It's one of the better earning movies, but compared to... Private. I mean, it, they like. To, it, I don't even know if they made all the money back. Even after he didn't. All, it, they didn't break a billion, did they? Mm -mm. No, not even close. Spider Man's the only movie that's broken a billion since two years ago. Right. Since 2019. Okay. Um, and that just happened. But, anyways, awesome that they were they were able to do that and make a sequel, or that they're going to make the sequel, I should say. Um, and I like I like the way they did it. I like the way it ended. Some people were like, "Oh, it just kind of ends." Like it's clear that like it's needs a sequel and blah blah blah. I don't know the book, I don't know the story, but I thought it ended on a really cool note that like was a satisfying ending, but sets up the next one quite well. Okay. Okay. It was yeah, I, I loved it. I really loved it. I mean, I was familiar with Dune. Um I've seen I wouldn't have been able to tell you the whole thing, but like I know enough of the law. I watched the original movie when I was a kid. And mm. it made no fucking sense to me. Right, you know? no, no, it um, didn't. And I watched the shitty TV movie series they made, and uh, it wasn't great. Um, and then I played like a few of the video games that didn't really have anything to do with the main story. Right. And in the 90s, there were some good PC games. Um, and uh, it's, again, a real world builder, and it really, really is. I mean, and... The actors are tremendous, and Denis it just has to be my favorite director right now. Like everything he touches, I love. Like I loved Sicario, and mm -hmm. I loved Blade Runner, and mm -hmm. I loved Arrival. I mm -hmm. loved Sicario too. Like I, I, he's just he's just very very good. He's everything I wish David Fincher was all the time. Okay, he's just like a more 
consistent David Fincher. Like right, he's right, a very right. similar style. But Fincher for me, every now and again, I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but it, it, it's, it's, it's very, very strong. And I agree, Timothy, Timothy Chalamet is really strong leading man presence, which I didn't expect either. I thought I, I kind of didn't want to like him based on him being so young and good looking and all that, you know, fancy bullshit. But mm-hmm. he makes a lot of sense. And I heard... Um, Denis Villeneuve explain in, um, in an interview about why he cast him. He's like, he personally wasn't entirely familiar with all his work. He didn't cast him because he was hot. You know, he cast him because he's like, if you read the books, this character needs to be young mm-hmm. and have a real young look to him and yeah. look like a kid to everybody right. around, right. but has to be able to carry a real weight to the point right. where by the end you're like okay this guy's got it yeah. and that is not many people and he really mm-hmm. really really does a great job of that um, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's a really I, you'll love it Tom, when you watch it right up your street it's a really really good movie yeah. yeah and i would say too one thing you said that made me think of this too sean is the world building i think like for me not knowing any of it and coming into it completely completely clean of any previous dune knowledge they did a really good job of doing all of that world building and giving you just enough to understand what's going on and to see the complexity of this world. And it took it very seriously, but at the same time, it, it never got slowed down by that. So mm. there are like some things I'm sure like that are in the books that they go into way more detail in that really aren't needed. And there were certain like, like, I don't know, there was um, the one character, what, what was his name? Um, Skarsgård's character. Um, he has like a oh, the Baron. Yeah, the he has Baron. like a pet. He has a pet at one point. That's this weird alien thingy that like they never explained. And I saw some video online that says like, oh, in the books you know all about this creature and blah blah blah. But it's like we didn't need to know anything about it. But it was just this cool little moment in there. And they give you, I thought they did a really good job of it, giving you everything you needed and all of the exposition you needed without at any point like I couldn't tell you one part of that movie where it's really like they sit you down and give you exposition. The movie kept moving, you know what I mean? And to do that with yeah. such a complex story, I thought they did a, a really amazing job with it. He did a really good job of that. It was the original Dune movie and the series were like all the criticisms people had of Game of Thrones when it first came out, me included, the first few episodes, you're like, what the fuck? Dune, the main problem with the history of Dune is it's like that times by 10. Like it is just yes. like Frank Herbert never wrote that the novel for it to be made it was like an impossible book to no make. no 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 he 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 basically wrote and i mean that's the joke with the lord of the rings trilogy right the way frank herbert wrote that book he wrote that book almost like a bible because it's supposed to have like ten thousand years of history and there's all this political things going on and it's this spice that got discovered and this group of people you know people are living apart from each other in space to the point where they're almost evolving away from each other, right? And so there's this whole group, they're navigators because they're ingesting this spice, which is just like changing. They turn into just giant brains living in a freaking tank kind of stuff. And they can figure out how to like fly through space without like dropping into a black hole or flying into a star and that kind of stuff. Like it it explains all of that. And then of course the other history of that is, and in Dune is that, 
humanity reached a point where AI evolved and there was a huge war. So it's kind of like the matrix before the matrix, humanity won. And that's why never in Dune do you see a computer. Like everything is mechanical. Nothing is digital. You know, it's like, it's, it's, there's no computer you're calculating. And that's why these guys, the navigators, they're the only ones with the brain capacity to figure out like where to fly and how to fly and all, all this other crap. So, yeah, I mean, that those original books were, they're written almost like Bibles. They're just like stupid long. And that's why like the original movies, people were just like, this is fucking weird. Whenever it's something like that, this highbrow, it's not going to sell because people are just like, why do I have to think about this? Why, why am I here? Yeah. Jason Momoa is another guy who was great in it. I, I've not been yeah. a huge fan of him. I've always thought he was just sort of like calendar pinup sort of type. But he was really good. He's charming in this movie. Like he really suits the character as well. Did a good job. Um, and it's funny you mentioned The Matrix because I saw that that's now out. The the new sequel is on HBO. I've not watched it. Um, I was excited for it, but I've heard it. I've heard it. I've so I've heard only one review about it, and like the guy said, it was disappointing. And I was like, uh oh. But I we. I, in preparation for that, me and the wife sat down to watch the original Matrix because she'd never seen any of them. Oh. Because she was put off back in the day, right near the beginning, when they first put the like mechanical uh, bug creature in his belly button and it travels in his body. Like She was like, uh-uh, I'm out. Tapped <laughs> <laughs> out. She was like, this is a creepy horror movie. I don't want to watch it. And I'm like, right. It's not. And she's like, it is. But... I convinced her to watch it. We watched it last week, the original Matrix. And um, man, that movie, the original Matrix, as groundbreaking as it yes. was at the time, it yes. does not hold up. It is kind of boring. I mean, predictable to a fault. I mean, because so many things have taken from the Matrix since the Matrix, it's almost like a pastiche of itself to watch now. It's like, really? And also... The 90s is so typical. You don't realize how stylized the decade is when you're living in it or when yeah. you're close to it. Right. Like looking at the 90s now, and I know it's, it's 1999, so it's the end, but still, my God. And I know it was stylized for a reason, but all that leather and all those mm. sunglasses and all those Uzis and all those fucking like clicky computers, it is so... And it's because it's supposed to look cool and cutting edge and technological and futuristic. And because it's supposed to be cool, like Blade Runner, for example, is never supposed to be cool. Right. And the reason that Blade Runner works to this day is because the technology in Blade Runner is supposed to look old. Even though it was futuristic when it came out, it's supposed when it in the time it's set, it's supposed to look sort of dusty and dated. It's it's yeah, it's is the opposite problem. It's like right. it's supposed to look mind blowing and you're like this it looks kind of funny now. I, I don't know. I I've seen I've seen the matrixes that I don't think it necessarily like doesn't hold up. Yeah, I have to disagree. I literally, I just watched it last week too, Sean. I just rewatched it for the first time in years, and I thought it was fantastic. I, 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 I was, yeah, because I had, total, I had the opposite reaction entirely. I felt like, yeah, it's got its moments that are dated and things like that, like any movie from you know that that has passed enough time. But I feel like it was such a weird combination of so many things, and it was yeah. like just 
it just towed the line of like being a little overboard and too much at times, but not enough, like with the Kung Fu and the fight scenes and some of that, it was like but it, all it, these it, things combined and it, they all worked quite well. I mean, if, as far if as you, the plot, as far as like the plot and the story goes, it really is, it doesn't do anything that amazing. The no. concept of the matrix and all of that was mind blowing at the time. But if you look at the story beats and like the character's journey, it's as basic as it gets. Right. Which I think right. is why that first movie works and the two sequels really didn't. Um, but I thought, I thought it still held up and I, I had a, I had a blast watching it. I I I, was I, like, I had so much fun. I I still think it holds up, and and one of the reasons I think it holds up is not so much all the details of the movie so much as just the concept of yeah. the, you know, this whole idea. Which even today, you know, we might be living in the simulation, like like literally the the whole thing. It, it's a little bit of a joke to find out that's like this could all be just. We're just two-dimensional creatures thinking we're three-dimensional, but this is all literally a computer simulation and scientific proof behind it with the irony being like, oh, look, science found God. You know, <laughs> that whole thing in of itself. And then you have the whole, is it real? Is it real? It's a little bit, the Matrix reminded me a little bit of Total Recall. Like Total Recall, when you look at it, it's just like, man, this is so like, it's so dated. It's so obviously done all on a soundstage somewhere in Hollywood or Pinewood Studios at the time, because those are the only places where they really recorded back in the 80s, right? It was either Hollywood, Pinewood Studios. That's it, 70s, 80s, That's or if they did it on location. And you look at it, and at the beginning of Total Recall, when he goes to the Total Recall place uh, uh, to, to implant a memory of him vacationing on Mars, right before he passes out, the text says, oh, blue skies on Mars, that's new. And then at the end of the movie, you know, Schwarzenegger is there with, uh, 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 and I forget her name, the actress, Ticotin, Rachel Ticotin. Um, and he, she, uh, uh, she goes, oh my God, I just had a horrible thought because the skies are blue on Mars. He's like, what? What if this is all a dream? And he's like, oh, well, kiss me quick before we wake up kind of thing. And so the the neat thing about that isn't so much like all the shoot 'em up, you know, those are all fun. And, you know, like school you Betty and all the great like Arnold lines and all that shit. Those are all fun. But just the idea is just like at the end of the movie, if you if you paid attention, you're like, is it real or isn't it real? I don't know. They literally left the loophole in there. You decide for yourself whether that was like a real thing. Or he's just like in in basically lobotomized in, in some salon somewhere in Chicago or whatever, wherever he was living, you know, that kind of thing. So that's where I think why the Matrix works so much. Like you talk to like astrophysicists and stuff like that. What's his face? Neil deGrasse Tyson famously said probably his favorite sci-fi movie is The Matrix. Mm. Because of like just the concepts of the whole thing is like, yeah, that could very much be a real thing. I think the thing I like the most about it is, and I think this is why I'm being hard on it, is the thing I like the most about it is a happy accident, sort of a mistake, not a mistake, but it's something they couldn't have known when they made it. But if you watch it now with this in your mind, you're like, oh, wow, that's, it's really good, is that they make the point in the movie, and it didn't mean much at the time, that the whole backstory of The Matrix is that 
you know, AI got to such a level, it was basically Terminator, Skynet. Is exactly the same as fucking Skynet. Yes, and I yes, can't believe the yeah. time people weren't saying, this is just Skynet. Right. AI got to a point where it became cognizant and decided it didn't need humans. They right. So they would take over and humans would just become slaves and the, the robots would rule everything. That was the point. But in order, when they came up with the idea that we need to make this fake program in order to convince the humans that they're really in the world, what they did is they found a period of time of human civilization where humans were at both their peak technologically but also at their peak as far as happiness went where everything was going just fine and well and the world was their oyster and nothing was a problem and shit hadn't hit the fan yet and it just so happened in 1999 when the Majaskis made this they couldn't have known that but they literally hit the fucking zeitgeist 1999 had to literally be humanity's peak as far as before it peaked. Sure. Just pre 9-11. Like, they're flying around pre 9-11. Well, don't forget, like, the Y2K and all the other crap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what's creepy. You're like, because you know what? It looks dated, like I said, but really, if you were going to make a simulation where humans were like, this feels like the real world, but also... There's nothing that's going to freak me out, which feels like we're at the best. 1999 is probably the best time you're going to get. Like, that really was the peak. Right. That's what's it, creepy. Because, like, they couldn't have known that, but they kind of foreshadowed it. Yeah. It was right before everything hit the fact, you know, before shit started. People started afraid of just the world and nothing, you know. People were living in blissful ignorance. In but America. you know what? In, in a way, what I think what I think they tapped into with the matrix is a little bit what JK Rowling tapped into with Harry Potter. Like when I was a kid, I always imagined someday some weirdo, some stranger would come up to me and tell me I either have magic powers or I'm a superhero and it's been suppressed all this time. Like it's it like Neverwhere as well. I kept watching the matrix being like, this is just Neverwhere as well. Yeah. 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 It, it's basically like this fant- suppressed fantasy that you want to have kind of thing. And I think that's where the matrix tapped into. It's like, uh, you're not really a, 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 you know, cubicle office drone. You're really this like superhero guy. We're just finding you to, we just want to like let you smoke this peyote. And once you smoke this peyote, you're going to be a badass. It, it's, it's like escapism at its best, really. You know, there's all the whole, you're going to liberate humanity. Well, that's great, you know, but it's, mm. it's, it's literally you're you're visiting a strip club. You go into a roller coaster. You're you know bungee jumping. It it's what it is, and that's why I don't think it's necessarily dated. I mean, seems, that shootout seems like scene in, in 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 that shootout scene in the lobby of the building. Oh yeah, yeah. It's still one of my favorite action sequences so of all time. So good. So good. So that good. Is, my wife was that was the one part of the movie where she sort of got engaged again, and she, but she's saying to me, she was like. Would it re- would this happen? She's like, would it really be- make this much damage for- with just bullets? And I was like, yeah. I think it would. <laughs> yeah, it most certainly yeah. would. What I what I see the other day that that scene was filmed for like three weeks. That scene's unbelievable. That scene was filmed for three weeks, dude. And you, I, I mean, on a set, the set is not a you know eight hour job. On a set, they, they were there sixteen hours. So that scene was filmed for 16 hours a day for three weeks. I mean, that's just nuts. Yeah. Like every I, shot, every angle, every like over the shoulder shot, you know, switch to the other side. 
Yeah. Just stunt people, get the wiring in place, get get all the little freaking pop explosions happening. Oh my god, it's just brilliant. It's one thing I do like about it is the casting is very. Um, you wouldn't get that now. I mean, maybe you know the Wachowskis would, but uh, looking at it now, if you were to cast The Matrix as if it never came out, you, that, that it would look so different. The cast. I mean, Keanu Reeves is so he's so got to be up with Liam Neeson as like accidental action hero because you look at him and you're like he's charismatic without yes. having any char- charisma like right. you want to watch him but he's not right. reciting no right and he's not muscly he's not big like he's lean and the matrix is sort of slim and he's yeah. never really it's so weird you're like you would never have that now and Karen yeah. Moss you're like Karen Moss would never be cast as the female lead well, look, like well, I mean, that's the joke, and I've been saying it for years now. Why that woman that doesn't have her own TV show or her own series of movies? Well, Jessica Jones, she was excellent in those. She was brilliant in those Netflix movies. She was absolutely brilliant. And I'm sitting there, it's like, why does Carrie Ann Moss not have her own TV show? She's a brilliant actress, but like you said, they didn't want to cast her. And I mean, I've seen her in some independent films. There's that movie. Uh, was it Chocolat? No. Oh, that was Juliette Binoche. Yeah. Yeah, that's Juliette Binoche. But there was a movie where it was also like a French town, and I think, I think um, Alfred Molina was the mayor. I forget what the movie was, but it was a really, really good it film. Might be, that might be Chocolat. Maybe she's in. Chocolat. Maybe she's in Chocolat too. Yeah, I'll look it up. But anyway, like like I said, she's a brilliant actress. And why she's not being cast in things is, is just beyond me. Yeah, she was, and going back to the the first Matrix, she's so good in that. And Trinity is such a good character. This is, I said this after we got done watching, I said the only thing that really ate, there's some CGI and some things here and there that didn't age well. The only thing that really didn't age well for me is that she's such a great, strong, badass character. And then at the end of the movie, she's the like, point. Neo, I love you. Yeah. And she kisses That's- him back to life. I was like, that wouldn't that, fly yeah. today. Especially that's my wife hated. And especially at the time, she was such a good, yeah. strong character. Like, she, she was on her own. Fantastic. Absolutely. Not, she was not absolutely. Like, she was not she was not the love interest. She was not anything. She was just a fucking badass. Yes, awesome that's why her destiny was so that's why the, fall in love with the one. That was right. Oh, and then it's like it, it's, oh. it's yeah. it, it is it is chocolate. Carrie Ann Carrie Ann uh Moss is in chocolate with Alfred Molina, yes. And you're right, and that's why I loved her in 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 the Netflix Marvel series. She was so good in those. Yeah. She was so kick-ass as that lawyer. She was. Yeah. Just, I got everybody by the fucking short and curlies. I mean, she was she was brilliant in it. So yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I'll I'll still watch the new Matrix because they what they they post like a Keanu Reeves movie, which was bad. Is getting a sequel. And I was like, which Cam Reeves movie was kind of bad? You know, I'm like looking, and they were talking 47 Ronin. I don't know if either of you guys oh. saw. No, no, I never saw that. Fan freaking tastic. Yeah. If you're a fan of samurai movies, absolutely fantastic. Loved every second of it. I was just like, it's definitely one of those that back in the day it would have gone straight to VHS, straight to DVD, whatever. But I thought it was tremendous. It's just so good. Like I said, you're a fan of samurai movies and a lot of swords slashing and cut off limbs and th- things like that. 
47 Ronin is brilliant. Really good. There was a weird period of time where samurai movies were in, where that movie came out, and pretty soon around that, they brought the Wolverine movie. Um, yeah, yeah. And you had, you know, not too long ago, was the Tom Cruise, Last Samurai. Like, there was a weird bout of samurai-ish movies. Yeah. And then yeah. they sort of disappeared. All right. All right. So that's we covered now Dune and The Matrix for our this round of beers. Very good. Uh, are you boys ready to, to grade our latest round or what? Yeah. Yeah. Good to go. All right. Who wants to go first? Take it away. I can go. Okay. Uh, Saranac Pumpkin Ale. Yeah. It's a very good. It's a very good. If you like a pumpkin ale or like a fall beer, it's really good. I don't like a lot of times they're a little too sweet. There's too much sweetness going on. This is a little right. bit more, a little bit more spicy and a little more. It's got the pumpkin spice and whatever, but it's a little more, a little more spicy and a little less sweet. So that's why I've always liked this one. Okay. Um, I got to be honest. It it doesn't taste quite as good right now as it does in. October or November, maybe it's just it's got to just be a mental thing, but you know, okay. in that fall vibe, it's not the same because it's, okay. it's not fall anymore. It's Christmas time. But that aside, this is a really good beer. Um, I do like this a lot. I don't know what I'd give it. Um, I'll give it a. I'm feeling generous. It's Christmas. I give okay. it a four point Oh, okay. Well, that's a pretty solid beer right there. I might be being too generous tonight, but hey. That's fine. It's Christmas time. Uh, Sean, you want to give us the Rasmello grade? Yeah. Um, uh, just like I said, it stayed the same. I'm surprised, actually. I was, I was sort of terrified that by the end of this beer, once it got to the dregs and it was a bit warm, it right. would really be disgusting. Right, because these beers often are like the right. sweet beers do not hold up <laughs> right. in the long haul. Um, but actually, it's it's held up as far as like to drink now, even at the very bottom of the can. Like I take a sip and it's still really sour, like as a real kick to it still. Right. Um, like I said, for everything it's saying it's doing, it's doing really well. I I, I mean, it's not that's not my jam. And frankly, I don't trust anyone who that is their jam, really. <laughs> but, I mean, what are you doing? I, mean, I don't know. But um, it would be unfair to um, mark this down just because I chose to drink it. Um, it so uh, I, I'd give it a, I'd give it a three, 3.6. Okay. 3.6. Um, and I'm not giving it more because I, I think it's done a perfectly brilliant job of what it's saying it's doing, but I just don't agree that the job it's doing is worthy of doing it. anything. <laughs> right. I don't know why you would, why people do it. Right. It does a perfectly great job of what it's doing. It's not my bag, and I don't know why it should be anyone's bag, but it's doing a much better job than any version of it I've ever tasted before. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I'm surprised I actually thought it would be lower than that, but it's good to hear that it's quite there. Again, like we said, 
I don't know if people are going to think it's a bad grade because the problem is the whole education system in the U.S., right? If you get a C, you're like a dumbass. No, the majority of the people should be getting a C because you're not that bright. You know, you're average. And that's what the majority of people should be because that's what average is, right? So a 3.0 is an average beer. That's like like Andrew was saying, like you're, you're at a, watching a baseball game, basketball game, soccer game, football game, whatever you're watching, and somebody hands you a pitcher of beer and you pour it in, and you're like, oh, okay, there's nothing to write home about, but it's okay beer. That's a three, you know? So that being said, um, three six for this beer, I think is just a very good grade. Um, I'm going to go with my Abominable Snow Beer, which is a wit beer. At the start, I was kind of uh, put off. Now, part of the reason for that is I had just had one of those little York peppermint patties and the peppermint will really screw with the flavoring of the beer. So as I got through the beer more and more, it tasted better. Like it had a weird flavor. And like I said, it was the peppermint. So now at the end here, I'm just like, oh, okay, this isn't a bad beer at all. And I'm rather enjoying this beer. So that being said, again, a smooth beer. This is... Um, I mean, honestly, if you, you know, this would be compared, compare, I haven't had it in forever, so I don't know, I'm speaking out of turn, but if you gave me an Amstel light and said, this was it, I'd have been like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is a light beer. This is nice. I'll have it. I wouldn't have thought it was a 7.5%, except the flavor of this is a lot better than what an Amstel light is. So all of that being said, I'll... I'll give this a three. It's not as flavorful to me as the winter ales. I, I enjoy the heavier, complex beers more. But I'll still give this a three seven. Come on, still beer. Good carbonation. Good drink. Good time. Good time, good people. Yeah. All right. That's our third round, people. We have nine beers down. Three beers to go. Hopefully you guys will be enjoying these for your New Year's Eve parties, which I'm always like just so disappointed this time of year because so many Americans think New Year's is just garbage. And I'm just like such a European boy because New Year's was everything. I don't know if the on the aisles is the same thing, Sean, but I know in continental um, New Year's Eve was the big party. Um, I, I think for me personally, I was just never in the right circles for it i mean but i i certainly know people who went all out like it's right. a big deal for a bunch of people they would have the biggest parties of the year would be new year's right um, but for me it was just never I, I never i never had a huge family like families always very split up so there was never any big parties and right, 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 right. it's always underwhelming every year was underwhelming okay the most fun i ever had on a new year's is when i went to tenerife with my friend uh, for a lad's New Year's like week, and w we went to an Australian theme pub bar okay. for okay. New Year's night because we didn't want to go to any of the clubs because it grossed us out. Okay. And I spent New Year, I spent the like the time of the New Year's in the uh, bathroom pissing, and I came back <laughs> and, I was, and then like I came back and like maybe say like 12 minutes after I came back from the bathroom, uh -huh. I was talking, I had like a Foster's and I was like, so when the fuck is this countdown going to happen? And, and this girl was like, it happened. And I was like, what? 
and that was probably the best meal I've ever had. <laughs> okay, all right. So, so you're you're firmly in the American camp. All right, good. Fuck you too, then. All right, never mind. All right, folks, we're gonna pause now to get our fourth drink. I'm really curious as hell to see what Andrew's gonna br- bring out the bag for the next one. Quite frankly, so just you wait and see. Yeah, we'll find out in a minute. Hold on, folks. All right, folks, so we're back with our fourth and last round of beers. That means 12 beers in this episode. We're just discussing how everybody's feeling so far. Sean is feeling great, just so you guys know. He's feeling oh, like yeah. bucks. Oh, okay, so let's let's go. Um, I guess I will start first. I saved my uh, strongest one for last. And this is uh, a brewery we've had before, a couple of times, I believe. It's a Quebecois brewery in Chambly, Quebec. Unibrow, Trois Pistoles, which I think is very apropos for our podcast, because it's three pistols. And I can't think of two other guys I'd want to be called the three pistols with better than Andrew and Sean, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's a Belgian style dark strong ale, nine percent, and what I say, fifteen point five IBUs. That's what 9%. I have. Nine percent. Oh, this is bold. I mean, I know Sean had the thirteen percent. Well, like I said, I, I'm uh, last year my average was nine point one percent, so I was really just like swinging it last year. <clears throat> How was my average so low when it seemed so high to me? It was six point eight, and uh, Sean was seven point three. This year, Sean's average so far, um, huh? Okay. So far, Sean's average is, let's see, uh, four, 4.4, 13, and 8.1. So he's at 25.5 divided by three. So he's actually only at about 6%. He's not that high overall on average. There you go. In fact, uh, Andrew, I think. No, I'm probably like a four, oh, you're four point two, four point nine, five point three. You're at about a four point eight, yeah. So, all right. So I have the three trois pistoles. Um, who wants to go next, Andrew, Sean? What do you got? I'll go. I since I, you know, as we've already discussed, had a slight error here, and the other beer that I had is is mm. uh, um, rejected. It's not not allowed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I've had to switch things up and yes. head to the liquor cabinet and going to treat myself to a little red breast Irish whiskey. This okay. is a single pot still 12 year Irish whiskey. It's really good. I've had it before. I'm not going to okay. like I haven't. A rich mix of dried fruit and spice with toasted oak and sherry undertones, it says. Triple distilled and matured in the finest oak casks. Hmm. So, What's the uh, ABV percentage there? Uh, 40%. 40%. And who, who makes it, if you could tell us, please? I think it's just Red Breast is the name of the, the distillery. Okay. Red Breast Whiskey, yeah. Okay. I've never heard of red breast whiskey. Let's 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 look that up real quick. So we have all the all the details for fans. Red breast whiskey. Uh, this is like basically from your neck of the woods, isn't it, Sean? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it was originally bottled by 
Gilby's, a Dublin spirits merchant using distillate sourced from Jameson's Bow Street Distillery. In the 80s, the brand was purchased by Irish distillers, the producer of Jameson. So I guess it's under the Jameson home brand? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's like fancy Jamesons, I guess. Oh, okay. It doesn't taste anything like Jameson, though. Okay. Drinks like a drinks like a single malt scotch kind of. Okay, very nice. All right, so Irish distillers from Dublin, Ireland. Okay, very good. Wow. And uh, Sean, what are you having? I am having the Passaic Porter okay. from uh, Ross from Ross Beer Company. Okay. Passaic Porter. I, of course, live in Passaic. County, New Jersey, mm -hmm. um, and it is six point one percent ABV. Okay, so nothing crazy as far as porters go. Twenty-two IBU. Okay, um, and thirty-four SRM. The dark. Mm. 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 Yeah, it's a honey porter apparently. Okay. Fermented with Madagascar bourbon, vanilla beans, and Peruvian cacao nibs. That sounds delicious. Yeah, we'll see. All right, let's crank them open, gents. You know the deal. All right, one, two, three. Here we go, folks. Mmm. Oh. Oh, good lord. Look at this thing. It's like mud. Oh. Oh, Andrew has the big cheers. fancy ice cube. He does. That's cheers. Oh, is it square? Yep. Oh, you know, I might have to make us some uh, what's going on here ice cubes that are like like a globe. With the uh, WGH engraved. WGOH, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, this is interesting. This kind of doesn't taste Belgian ale. Usually they're a lot more caramelly. I think this one's going to have to, like the last one, is going to have to wait till the end. It's very toasted. But I'm not quite. It just says ale brewed with spices. It's weird. I'm wondering if they. This almost tastes like a. Uh, uh, there's like cardamom, like curry spices in it. It's really odd. Hmm, maybe. Maybe the, yeah, the other beer that I was going to have, I was going to have uh, the white, the white beer, the wheat beer, and that one had cardamom in it. And that's what sort of put me off. I was like, well, I don't want to drink cardamom. Right, right, right. Hey, this is, this is a little bit, I've never tasted a Belgian style ale that was this, I guess, savory is what I'm looking for. Yeah, savory, I suppose. All right. All right, so this is the fourth round. 
what haven't we covered? We got Bond. We got the Disney Plus series. We obliquely talked No Way Home. We talked Dune. We talked The Matrix. What haven't we covered? Sing two. <laughs> well, we, sing too. I don't think any of us have watched it because it just came out. I think today, mm. but the first oh. episode of the Book of Boba Fett came out today. The Book of Boba Fett coming out today. I did not see that yet. What are our thoughts? I saw all of the second season of The Witcher, which I enjoyed. I've never seen that. I've not. No, what's The Witcher? I. Uh, you guys haven't watched. I enjoyed. The first season a lot. I enjoyed this season too. I think Cavill found his like space there. Like the character is really his. I enjoy his performance. It's brain candy. It's nothing, you know, it's like a fantasy series. It's based on a video game, obviously. Um, I love the video game. I know my, I know the guy who plays the character in the video yeah. game. Um. Oh shit! Oopsie <laughs> Daisy. Did you spill? I think yeah. so. I spilled the porter all over everything. Oh. All right. So we have our casualty for the evening. Oh. It's okay. Be- it's only the sofa and the cushions. It's not <laughs> like that. <laughs> I think uh, three guns is going to turn into two guns, but after the new year, it's okay. I mean, you know, I can flip the uh, the bottom and the, the... yeah, just turn the cushion over. Yeah. This literally looks like if you've never seen. It's a great movie, but it didn't make a lot of money. It's a Jim Cameron movie called Strange Days. Did you guys? Either of you guys see that? No. It's a real mind scrambler of a movie check it out it's ray fines and angela bassett are the leads mm. it's it's a brilliant movie it's like his only commercial flop really but the movie is amazing and it came out right after right about the time the rodney king riots happened in l.a Really, and it's kind of set a little bit in the future. Really, really good movie. Really good movie. So I'm listening. I'm just yeah. going to get something to scrub the bit that I can't. Uh, please, please do, because I'm going to say, Sean is kind of looking like a scene from the movie there with the camera above. It kind of looks like he killed one of us and he's trying to like staunch the bleeding from <laughs> happening right now. I was going to say, what, is there a scene in this movie where someone spills a beer? Or? Well, no. There's a whole thing where um, they have these like brain headphones kind of thing that you put on. And what they do is you're able to see other people's thoughts with it. Oh. And um, so people get paid to like people put these recorders on their brains while they're like having sex and then sell them to people. So it's almost like, like banging a hooker, but you're not that kind of thing. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a really cool. Movie. It's really kind of futuristic out there. If you haven't seen it, I, I highly suggest you see it. Uh, strange days. It's a James Cameron movie. It's 
Like I said, I haven't seen a bad James Cameron movie. Yeah. You know, like, honestly, <laughs> the worst of his movies that I've seen to me is the Titanic. Yeah. Like uh, James Cameron movies. Like Aliens, brilliant. You know, Terminator 1 and 2, brilliant. Uh, 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 Avatar, great stuff. You know, that all, all of his movies, I think, are fantastic. True Lies, great. Titanic to me is the, even though it made the most money, well, Avatar made more money than, than Titanic. To me, it's like one of the weakest ones of his movies. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it last year when we did a countdown with like the, the top grossing movies of all time. Yeah, yeah. I know I realized that my bias is that I haven't seen it on the big screen and then it's quite the spectacle to see like the whole thing with the Titanic coming down and all that. But overall, it's just like, oh, the ship, ship sank. Oh, whoop the fucking do. So what? <laughs> it kind of, I mean, the whole story with Rose and him is like that whole movie is just like, okay, I don't get it. I don't know why it made the kind of money it did, but I, I'd have to imagine that it made the kind of money it did because of the spectacle of on this huge screen, all of this happening. Yeah, that is an interesting one. We probably talked about it quite a bit then, but like, yeah. it is tough to kind of put your finger on how, why that movie was such a big thing. I mean, there's, like, there's I, plenty of there's plenty of factors, right? Leo and all the rest. But like, you really think about it, you're like, Man, there's a movie about like this ship that sank, and they made up a love story about it in it, and the whole that's story it. is just these people that were in love while the ship is sinking. Like that's, that's the highest grossest movie of all time, or you know, it, it, it makes, was for so long. It was for so long, and it makes no sense why it made so much money. Like when you look at it back now, speaking of movies that don't hold up, I think Titanic doesn't hold up. Yeah, I really don't. I mean, no, you, I watched it before we did that tournament, whenever that was. What was that, March of this past year? Yeah, yeah, March 2021. Um, and I liked it more than I expected to. I was kind of pleasantly surprised by it. So, well, but I still am thinking, like, I don't really get it. But in yeah. watching it, I, I did enjoy it a lot more watching it than I thought it would. So maybe that says something about it. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I, I sort of have a oblique personal connection to it because my mechanic who's just like a few blocks away from me his dad made that staircase for the titanic right right I remember. his dad was like a set builder in hollywood he passed away this past summer because of covid but um he was showing me like all a bunch of stuff because he was like you know i i've known him for like almost 20 years you know so like i always bring my cars to him in the whole nine and we chat and you know, for Christmas, I always bring him a bottle of something, that kind of stuff. And he would show me all the pictures from all the sets his dad worked on, all the stuff he did, because I was just like, all right. You know, it's like if somebody's like talking to you about their like dead father, you don't just get up and leave. You just sit there and, you know, provide sympathy and empathy wherever you can, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it was it, and it was really like touching that he would share all like all the stuff with me. So, like I said, I even had that connection. And, and then seeing the movie, I was just like. It, it, it's a little bit like so what? Yeah. I mean, they're 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 he and Kate Winslet are sort of singular talents. It's like that's great, and everything they did was convincing to me. But in the overall scheme of things, it was like so what? Yeah. Ship sank. One of them drowned, and the other one. Lived. And and the way the whole thing happened, it was just like. 
wait a minute, you live this like full life. Great. I get it. He sacrificed himself so you can have this full life. But you had all this like this ridiculously valuable jewel and you could have done so much more than just go ride fucking camels in the desert. What the hell is it, it kind of cheapened her character to me. It was like, what the hell is this? This is kind of weird. So I don't know. Anyway. Oh, but did you guys see Cowboy Bebop? No. Live action with John Cho. No, was it good? I really, really enjoyed it. it I thought got canceled, it canceled, right? It got canceled. Um, I mean, the original, the anime was only like a single season. Hmm. So I, I don't know if that's why like it kind of got canceled, but I thought the way they worked it in and the cinematography and all of it was very much anime. They captured it very well. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Yusuf or he was basically the second bad guy in Luke Cage. In the first season? In the first season, like, well, after Mahershala Ali. The one uh, that was like his brother, technically? Mustafa Shakir, that's his name, yes. He was the the bad guy, like after Mahershala Ali died, he was the bad guy. He plays Jet Black, who's like the character whose ship is called the, cow, uh, the, the Bebop. And they're just like bounty hunters in the solar system. Like the Earth has been kind of half destroyed and they figure out how to um, terraform all the other planets and moons and whatever. And they live throughout the, 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 the solar system. He played Jet Black. He was great. And I was like, OK, this guy's a great actor because it was completely there was nothing associated with the character he was in Luke Cage. He was good. John Cho was good. They had that whole anime vibe about the whole thing, the way it was done, the cinematography of the whole thing. It re they really made like an anime come to life, and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I was surprised when they canceled it. I was like, "What?" But I guess people didn't like. I mean, I never watched the cartoon, so I wasn't that invested in it. And maybe I enjoyed it more than if I had watched the cartoon. I don't know. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed Cowboy Bebop. I enjoyed Witcher season two as well, but I really, really enjoyed Cowboy Bebop. Okay. I mean, I would, I, yeah, I would, I would recommend it. If you want to watch like a fun thing, I kind of got sucked into it. I thought that was fun. I, I also watched um, Shadow and Bone on Netflix. That was a fun series. I enjoyed that. That really sucked me in real quick. Um, what else have I seen? I can't think of anything really. We, we one thing you should watch. We we just watch all of it, and we fucking loved it. it was so 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 good is Money Heist. Oh, I've heard that's really good from everyone. The the, uh, the the Spanish TV show. Yes, yeah, it really good. I I mean, we devoured it like five seasons worth. Like we in like. Nice. Two weeks, maybe. Nice. Uh, it's nice. So, so good. And it sounds sort of cliche, but I, I mean, I'm used to watching, I'm used to watching subtitled movies. Right. And, you know, they're like an hour and a half, two hours max. And I see them once every a couple of year, maybe. I don't see a huge amount, like when there's a big one. 
so to spend this amount of time watching subtitles, you know, right. kind of like Squid Game in that way, but five seasons worth. Right. By the end, like I was like, I felt like I was just I could speak Spanish. Like I was just <laughs> not even like I was yeah. not completely not aware of the subtitles. I was so invested in the characters and the you know the actors and the show. So right, right, right. Good. Oh, nice. It's exciting and um it's fantastic. You both love it. You really, really give it a go, guys. It's like exciting. Um, everything you kind of want in a TV show like that, it really, really is. It's very good. Nice. I'll have to check it out. I mean, it's, yeah. been, it's been one of those, like when we first started the podcast, it was one of those that we flirted with a while back. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah, really good. I'm glad we didn't waste do an episode on it because I probably, maybe I wouldn't have watched it because I'd have been like, eh. But uh, really good. Um, <laughs> nice, nice. But, and also off the back of that, because we, we loved it so much and we needed to find something binge-worthy that was also really good. And now I mentioned to you off uh, recording that we're watching Succession. Succession is excellent. It's really, really good. Okay. Another one. Got a, I still need to watch uh, Squid Game. I actually go back and watch that. I haven't watched the whole thing either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that first episode. I haven't watched the whole thing either. Um, Very good, guys. Really did you good. watch it, Sean? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Oh. Yeah, it's fucking great. Squid, yeah. Squid Game is really great. Um, it, you know, it was a little, um, you know, around the edges. It, 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 you know, it could have used some tight. There were some, there were little bits that you'd have been like, oh, if this had been done in the US, it would have been a little better but very few things it, but for the most part it was it was really really good i mean they, they've got a second season they've they line up for a second season in it um very much so and mm. um in a way it's sort of shame actually because it's kind of like you know sometimes you finish a show and you're like i'm so glad there's more of them but this sometimes it's the opposite this is sort of like mm, I, I felt them cave to the pressure of the like success, and I'm like, right. it would have been. I think it would have been more special if you'd have kept it as a a launching pad for people to appreciate international films and television without having to be like, remember, this is the one thing you like. Like, we'll just keep making more of it. Well, the one I the one I started watching is called My Agent. Oh, is, which is on Netflix, and it's a French. Serial and it's literally about um, a French like uh, 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 agent representative for actors, and I only seen the first episode and I love it right away. I haven't gotten back to it, but I really really enjoyed it. It's really, um, I don't know, very French. <laughs> I suppose I don't know how else to describe it, but it's really a lot of fun. So I, I'm looking forward to getting back to that. Actually, yeah, Money Heist is very Spanish. I we were the whole time we were watching it, we were like. You gotta love the fucking Spanish, like the way they just talk, like the way they're talking to people, like everything is so like important and specific, and, yeah. Like, and like, oh my god, like they don't fuck around. Like when a Spanish person is telling you they're in love with you, like you'll know about it. <laughs> my god. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. All right, cool, cool. So that, so that's good. Anything we're looking forward to. I mean, there was so much that came out. Like, obviously, I'm looking forward to Macbeth. Um, yeah. 
there's so much that came out like in such a short period that I was just, I remember just going like Jesus Christ how much am I gonna have to catch West Side Story I'm really I really want to see West Side Story in the movie I've heard so much bad stuff about it bad I've heard nothing good yeah I heard pretty good no I I just heard it didn't do terribly well no I heard bad stuff about it that it was just like eh. who said that I've heard nothing but great stuff I you know what. Musicals, for the most part, especially when they make them into movies, I'm a little bit like, eh, I prefer it on stage than yeah. in the movies. Because honestly, like movies is supposed to be, you know, a realistic representation of what's going on. And where have you been realistically where people just break out into dance and do a sing group number? Nowhere. So that that's what bothers me about musicals to begin with, like when they try to make them into movies. It's like, okay, this is shit. Because nobody really does this, unless it's a one-off and they're just kind of like doing a scene that way. But when it's the whole bloody movie, I'm always. You don't think Gangs of New York could have been improved with? Uh, no, not even a little bit. <laughs> not even a little bit. No. All I can think about that is there was a comedy troupe, the guys that do uh, Reno 911. I don't know if either of you have seen ever any of that. Yeah. And then those guys. They had a, a sketch troupe that they did videos, a uh, comedy show called The State that came out in the late 80s, early 90s, something, mid 90s, something like that. And they did a, a West Side Story spinoff where it was the Jets. And instead of a Puerto Rican gang, it was a gang of Amish. And that's all I could think about now whenever I hear West Side Story is these Amish guys dancing and like, you know, doing this whole thing. And, uh, I, I have like zero desire to see West Side Story. Zero. <laughs> and the, fact that, the fact that Steven Spielberg's involved, I'm like, this makes me want to see it even less. Oh, such a hater. Such a yeah. hater. I'm not a hater. It's just like one of these things like, oh, I want to do West Side Story because I think I'm going to be able to do it better. And you're not. <sighs> if you see it and you tell me it's better than the original West Side Story, I'll see it. That's brave. I mean, think about it. Like, just logically speaking, like Steven Spielberg. Like, this is Steven Spielberg. When has he ever done a remake? Like, doesn't matter. Steven Spielberg. Exactly. Steven Spielberg. We we did a whole list of his movies. He doesn't give a shit about the story. He only gives a shit about the characters. Lincoln. Was there a more boring movie than Lincoln? I hate Lincoln. But right. But from what I've heard, Spielberg has managed to succeed with West Side Story where he wanted to, which is. It, it, I, I was in the stage show and the stage show is incredible and the movie a lot of people love the movie from the 60s and I'm not one of them I don't really love it and it, 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 it's, it's not very it's not it doesn't do this like, just like you were saying it does not give you the same experience as the stage show right um, that's really the main reason as to why Spielberg made the movie I've heard him talk about it is that he fell in love with the original Broadway soundtrack when he was a kid he listened to Broadway soundtrack from the musical and was like this is the height of art like this is this is the best we can get to and then when we saw the movie he was like huh okay yeah okay but this isn't what was going on in my head so okay. uh, and so that was really the reason he did it and from what I've heard he did a good job on it but it's, it's I'm yeah, really skewed things too I well, really I, skewed, you know well I, I'll take it on your guys' recommendation. If you guys both think it's great. I'll... I haven't seen it. 
And I've never seen, I've never seen the stage show and I've never seen the movie. And so, but I'm just saying what I've heard about this new version is, has been mostly all very positive. So when you said, I heard it's terrible, I was like, where'd you hear that? That's all. Yeah. No, I, I've read things that they, they, it just wasn't right. Mm. It was just like, eh. well, it's kind of like a little bit like in the Heights. They tried to recreate in the Heights for the movies and it just, that just fizzled out too. So I don't know whether it's good or bad. I haven't seen it, you know, but I, there's nothing. You belong to some very anti-musical groups because I did not watch in the Heights. It did not appeal to me, but I heard it was really good. <laughs> People seem to really like in the Heights. Well, I mean, yeah, but you you also have like a degree in musical theater. So what the fuck do you know? I, I, <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, it's still a degree. Oh, tick, tick, boom. Tick, tick, boom is really good. Tick, tick, boom. See, I'm interested in seeing tick, tick, boom. That was good. That yeah. was really good. And I didn't go into it with any. I didn't. I wasn't familiar with the. I say musical. Right. I mean, it's it it, it 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 it's it isn't it isn't isn't a musical really. It was um, but uh, I I wasn't familiar with that. I know I'm not a fan of Rent, which is the famous thing that that it's surrounded by the, the, the Jonathan Larson, the writer of Rent, composer and writer of Rent. Tick Boom is about him. Um, right. His story. I was never a huge fan of Rent, but um, but. I completely resonated and you'll you'll feel it as well so like it's a very good depiction of what it's like to be an artist an, act, an actor in New York right. there is a yeah. scene where he's trying to talk to his friend who they live together in a flat in New York and he's since gone on to work for like um, a big corporate company and like he's a manager and he's still struggling living in the same flat making it work and he says to him at one point He's like, what the fuck you did? Like, what, you can't tell me about what I should be doing with my art. Look at you, you sold out. And he's like, I didn't sell out. I spent like three years in New York queuing around the block at, at Actors Equity to try and get in on a fucking audition what? because I wasn't union. And to finally have someone look at me for two seconds and throw me away. And I spent that for three years before I realized, guess what? I'm just not really good enough. Fuck this. I'm crazy if I keep doing this. I could be right. doing something great with my life. Why am I doing this? And it it had some very uh, interesting points. And all young people who are trying to be out in New York should watch that movie because it will give you a bit of perspective. But right, right, right. Andrew Garfield, that guy, man, he is. He's good. He's good. He, he sings and he plays the piano in that movie. Like he's looked into uh, it. He is really good. I mean, I don't know if Andrew agrees or not, but he was so good in No Way Home. Again, there's only he only had so much screen time, but I thought he was brilliant in it. I mean, all of them were like Tobey Maguire and him were just yeah. brilliant in it. That like the chemistry they had, you would have thought they did like twelve movies together. It was yeah. really good. It was really good. Yeah, I was really just like you know like the whole nostalgia and, and and just like you know the comic book fan and the movie fan and all that because i mean and we've talked about this in the movie countdown i really thought the andrew garfield movies were just the first one was okay the second one was just garbage but through no fault of his he i thought he was a great peter parker so the fact that they did this is almost like a reconciliation to the fans like sorry we screwed up let's bring all of these guys like yeah. The third one with Tobey Maguire was just like, this is shit. 
let's bring all these guys back and give you some like really nice closure. And and they just did so well with it that I I I, I have nothing but just like happy feelings when I left the theater. And it was funny. Yeah. I went with my nephews and the younger one, Enzo, he's nine. He's like, can we see the next one when it comes out? I'm like, bro, you want to see a super movie, superhero movie? I'm your guy. Yeah, we can see the next one. Of course, you know, that kind of thing. And he actually, like I said, at the end of the uh, 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 Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness trailer, he, he comes up to me. He's like, oh, oh, Uncle Tom, that was, did you see What If? I said, yeah, so What If? He's like, that was the Doctor Strange from the What If, wasn't it? And I'm just like, all right, little guy, you were paying attention. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I definitely want to see Tick, Tick, Boom. Tick, Tick, Boom piqued my interest. West Side Story, it, it really didn't. There's nothing about it that I was just like, oh, I got to see this. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain, I guess. I mean, I, I'm not a... Uh... I'm not a huge musical advocate, despite the fact that I do have a master's in musical theatre. Uh, I, 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 when I did, um, the, when I was in the show, um, I didn't, I, I didn't have any love for it, and I thought I'm not going to enjoy the show. I did it because they cast me as Tony and Lee. Oh, I thought they cast you as Maria. I'm sorry. And, um, but when you do it, you realise it's really good. But it's it. it What's really good about it, I think, is, um, and I don't know how well it translates in the movie, but it's, I think what West Side Story does so well, and I don't think it's even a case anymore, is traditionally people always knew West Side Story as it's a musical adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. Like, right. like Romeo and Juliet, the musical. Pretty much, yeah, right. Um, but these days, that's probably not the case anymore. A, it's probably not the case that people immediately think that when they hear West Side Story, as far as like the next generation, Gen Y, like young people. But, and and then B, those people probably don't even really know what the story of Roman Juliet is. Like, I don't know what they're teaching at school anymore, but I feel like a lot of that stuff that we take for granted is not so much in the consciousness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but the, what's interesting is it's not the plot of Roman Juliet. Like people, it's the vague, it's the same sort of concept. It's the starting point of Rebel right, Juliet. Right. But it does not follow the same trajectory. And no. I think it surprises people. And that's what's so cool about the show is people go in expecting, oh, I know what's going to fucking happen here. And then it doesn't. And then you're like, oh, I didn't realize that's what was happening. So that's why I think it works well. It sort of subverts the, um, the, the narrative noise but it's no i, I think it's a chance look i hear i i hear you and like i said if you guys both think it's worth watching i'll watch it but nothing about it has piqued my interest really mm-hmm. i mean it, uh, thankfully they used old young actors but like being hollywood and spielberg i half expected tom cruise to play tony <laughs> because he wants to play six foot five guys and all this other shit so i i it's the only the only negative I've heard, the only negative I've heard more than once, as in like a consistent thing, is that people have said that they're not entirely convinced on Ansel Elgort, who plays Tony. They say he's a bit, mm, uh, from what I've heard, you know, Maria in it and Anita um, Riff and all the other characters are, are really great. But um, yeah. 
him, he's a little like out of place. They're like, yeah, that guy seems a little like he doesn't really fit in that world, which I'd expect. Having seen him in like Baby Driver and stuff, like there's a place for him, but I would never think a musical, musical right? So, whereas Andrew Garfield is the opposite. I would never have thought Andrew Garfield for a musical, and that guy, he's boom, and you're like, he should have been in La La Land. If he was in La La Land yes. with Emma Stone, yes. Off the back of the Spider-Man movies, like yes, that's the movie yes. they should have done together when they were together. Like, yes, it would have yes. been really so much better. better, so much better. Because, like, you when you watch, what's his face, a uh, 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 Canadian Dreamboat guy, Ryan he, Gosling, Ryan Gosling, he doesn't establish a lot of chemistry with his female counterparts. Well, it really doesn't. It it really doesn't come across as genuine. He's very insular. He's very insular energy, like Jared yes. Leto for me. He doesn't feel. I always am very aware that he's out for himself the whole time. I never feel yeah. like he really. Right. Uh, I have to disagree with you guys. We're not going to get. I don't need to go into it, but I completely disagree. I love La La Land. I love Ryan Gosling. You can't change a thing about that movie. Wrong. You guys are both wrong. Oh. I love La La Land. I just think Andrew Garfield maybe would have even been better. Off the back could of have been a version of it with him that would have been good, but I just don't. I, I I really haven't seen anything believable with Ryan Gosling where I think he really loves this female counterpart of his. He he just doesn't. I don't know. I don't know if he's cold and Canadian or what the deal is. Mm -hmm. I like Blue Valentine. I never saw I think, that. I never saw that. Well, that's a, it's a very depressing movie. Um, <laughs> and it sort of goes to your point and not your point. Because the whole point of the movie is about breakup. Um, okay. But it it does that thing, that merrily roll along thing, of where it starts with him and... Reg McAdams was in that? Was that the Reg McAdams, I think? No, that was the notebook. Oh, oh no. Um, yes, no, it's not Reg McAdams. It, oh, who the fuck is it? I was going to say Mandy Moore. It's not Mandy Moore. That's the mm -hmm. notebook. Wait, mm -hmm. no, it's whoever it is. But it's a really good movie. Oh, it's um, Michelle Williams. Michelle okay. Williams. Um, really good movie, but it starts off with a really messy breakup of two people like bickering to shit couldn't hate each other more right. and it goes backwards in time and the movie ends with them falling in love and it's like so it's so depressing, <laughs> it's so I, was gonna depressing say, I was gonna say that sounds like harold pinter yeah is that betrayal isn't that just betrayal yeah. from yeah, yeah. sure yeah but it's it's just done very well. It's it's an old uh, trope, but it's done very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They do yeah. it good. Um, but but maybe the the only reason it succeeds so well is how convincing Ryan Gosling is at seeming like he hates the woman he's supposed to love. <laughs> That's where I'll believe he kind of comes across that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why we haven't seen Eva Mendes in like 15 years, you know? <laughs> anyway, all right, all right. So let's finish up this fourth round of beer while Andrew stares daggers at us for disputing Ryan Gosling's romantic interests. <laughs>
And uh, the nice guys, he's good in the nice guys, but he doesn't have to love anyone. He's he? great in the nice guys. I really enjoy that movie. I saw that a couple of like a month ago or something like that. I really thought that was a lot of fun. That movie. That was a fun movie. Yeah, it really was. I mean, if you ask me, he's kind of not being cast right because I think he's got great comedic talent. Because like when I've seen him the couple of times he's been on SNL, he's been fantastic on SNL. And I think they should utilize him more in like roles like that, where it's just like a dark comedy or something like that. I think he would really shine in that. He's a Mickey Mouse kid, isn't he? He is. Mm-hmm. He is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what do we have for our fourth round of beers, gents? I had some whiskey. Oh, or you're, you're, you pulled the Audible, man. Why, why don't you start off with the Audible? How is that Redbreast Irish whiskey? What do you say, sir? Fantastic. And if you like, I'm so, I'm, I'm so tired too. I'm like, Thanks. You've been you've been looking like you're barely staying awake this whole. Oh, I have been the last twenty minutes. I'm, so... <laughs> I'm cutting us off. I'm cutting us off. Let's finish the twelve beers of Chris. Um, no, it's <laughs> really ahead, great. So. If you like, if you like, like, if you like scotches or you know whiskey, whiskeys and whatever, it, it's really good. It's very smooth. Um, a great flavor to it. So smooth. So smooth. Um, it's fantastic. I give it. A, I give it a four point seven. Whoa, dude, that's that's wow. Okay, if that's brave, you know what? That's brave. Yeah, that's brave. Doesn't give a shit. This guy. He's... No, Sean. Uh, if you've licked up enough off the couch cushions, uh, what do you have to say about the, I can't, the sake porter? I, I might have to give an. I might have to give an inconclusive on this one. I the problem is, is I felt physically sick before I opened the beer. And then I opened the beer, had a couple of sips, and was like, this does not make me feel better. <laughs> and then the universe gifted me something so I didn't vomit everywhere by making me knock the beer and, and spilling it all over the place. And I just <sighs> tried it just now for the first okay. time since spilling it. And okay. I spilled like you know, a quarter of the beer foamed okay. out the top. And as you all okay. know, once you've had a big foam explosion, the beer then tastes like empty garbage can. Right, yeah, okay. Um, so it basically tastes awful right now, but right. that's not fair. Okay. At, at the beginning, it tasted fine. Okay. Um, as far as porters go, as far as the, um, you know, little talk up on the can went. Right. It is nowhere near where a lot of other porters have been and where it should be. Oh, I, okay. I'm going to give it a 3.2 in the porter stakes. Oh, okay. That's unusual. All right. Should I put a question mark next to the 3.2? Yeah. Feel free. Okay. Or, or a, in, a inconclusive. Mm. Parentheses. How about that? Just to be fair. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Well, just be fair. Okay. All right. Now, um, this one, the Trois Pistoles from Unibo, behaved the same way as the Abominable Snow Beer for me. Like, at first, the taste was just really weirding me out. But as it went on, and again, 9% doesn't drink like a 9%. I don't know what these guys are doing in these breweries to these beers, but they don't taste 
like the kind of I mean, I, I, I probably mentioned this before on the podcast to you, Sean, at least. A buddy of mine gave me Sierra Nevada made this beer way back in the day called uh, a Bigfoot Ale, I think it was called. This thing, and it was like a 10% beer. This thing was so hoppy that it almost, it was almost like quinine, like what, what makes, gives tonic water its flavor. That's what they give you medically to induce vomiting. Okay. This tasted, this beer, this Bigfoot ale tasted like it had that in spades. It literally tasted like someone took a broom and melted it and poured it in this bottle and said, here, you drink this, this is beer. It was terrible. And I remember like drinking like three sips of it and, and dumping it because I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. It was just so bitter. It was just so over the top hoppy. I couldn't handle it. Um, like that sour beer from a few episodes ago that I had, like I had three sips of it. My throat was raw the whole next day. And the other three beers have just been sitting in my beverage fridge the whole time. Yeah. This beer kind of started like, it, what the hell is this? It's weird. But now that I've had the whole beer, this is a nice beer. It's not as nice as these other ones that I've had. Um, and part of that, again, it's, it's hard to know whether like it's a bias or not, but like, it's not what I expect. From, it, I, we've had this before. It's not what I expect from a Belgian ale. Like, you know, when we've had sometimes like an IPA tasted like almost like a porter or we had a porter and it tasted like a lager, things like that. It's just like, wait a minute, what the, what the hell is this? Mm. This does not taste like a Belgian ale to me. This tastes to me like a strong IPA almost. And I think that's what's throwing me. It, it, it's a little bit on the hoppy side. By the IBUs, you wouldn't think so. But that, all of that being said, again, it's a nice beer. If it's a barbecue and this is the only beer they have, I'm okay with it. Three beers in, somebody better drive me home. I can't drive myself home. Huh. Um, Hey, uh, that's my last sip. Um, yeah, I, I give this a three, six. Okay. Usually this brewery, I've graded a lot higher. This one, this one is like they, they've made this for a Belgian ale. This is way too hoppy, in my opinion. Mm. Usually it's more caramelly and more <sighs> deeper flavor, I guess, chocolatey, that kind of stuff, you know. This is very, this is very, very hoppy for a Belgian ale to me. So it's, it's just throwing me off. Like if it was an IPA, I'd be like, oh, okay, this is an IPA. This is a nice IPA. But the fact that it's a Belgian ale and it tastes the way it does, that's really throwing me for a loop. Which, yeah. again, it doesn't mean it's a bad beer. I'm giving it a three, six. It's a very nice beer. It's just not what I would expect from a Belgian ale. That's it. All right. All right, folks. I love listening to you. The whole time you were telling us about your beer, I was looking at Andrew, and Andrew <laughs> looks like he looks like Sinead O'Connor in the opening bars of Nothing Compares to You. He was seeing that. I was waiting any moment for the. It's been 10 hours and 16 days. I should take that as a compliment. <laughs> 
Right? Oh, you, you're a beautifully faced man. You have the beautiful you are. face of Sinead You are, dude. Honestly, you are so pretty. The next time I see you, I want to just punch you in the fucking face. You're too pretty. For <laughs> that, like, that's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew doesn't even want to give a fuck. He's like, are these guys still talking? Why are they still talking? <laughs> 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 All right, folks. Well, there you go. That's our 12 beers of Christmas, the New Year's Eve edition. We're going to put this out for New Year's Eve. So you guys have a choice. Run to your liquor store. Uh, get what you have. We have the following 12 beers. We have Sean had Killer Intellect by Ross Brewing Company, Christmas Bomb by Prairie Artisan Ales, Rasmello by Ross Brewing Company, and Passaic Porter by Ross Brewing Company. Uh, Andrew had City Light by Five Borough Brewing Company, Guava Goza by Collective Arts Brewing, and Pumpkin Ale by Saranac Brewery to top off with a Red Breast Irish Whiskey to make him nice and sleepy for the end of the episode. I had... Uh, um, Freezing Season Winter Ale by Flying Dog Brewery, Old Man Winter Winter Ale by Southern Tier Brewing Company, The Abominable Snow Beer by Defiant Brewing Company, and Trois Pistoles by Unibrow out of Quebec, Chambly, Quebec, Canada. That's our 12 beers, folks. Another episode of the 12, 12 Beers of Christmas. We apologize for being late, but you know what? Work and babies do not care when we want to podcast, all right? And until untapped or somebody says like, hey, would you guys want to be our official podcast? This is what happens. So we apologize for that. We hope we made you laugh with some of our analyses. We hope you guys um, go and see West Side Story because Sean thinks it's such a wonderful musical. I don't give a crap. Uh, thanks. It's a cute <laughs> musical, too, I should say. Uh, Ryan Gosling, Sean and I both think he's a little bit psychotic, and Andrew thinks he's sexy and hot. So this is what happens. It's a podcast. And once again, thank you all. We really appreciate all of you. We really appreciate you guys uh, listening to our podcast, telling your friends about our podcast. And we're looking to bring you more material next year and hopefully um, some extra stuff as well that will entertain you and make you feel good about what you're not drinking or drinking. I'm not sure how to finish that. Boys, anybody? And make you feel good about life. Thank you, Andrew. Because just for a short time, you get to forget about everything and spend your time with the three of us. The three pistols, if you <laughs> three pistols, baby. <laughs> pew 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And uh, everybody, go go watch the, the the book of Boba Fett. We're gonna talk about that probably on the next episode. No, we're not gonna talk about that on the next episode. Next episode, we're gonna have to plan something fancy because this was episode something nine. extravagant. Episode 100 is the next episode. We might have to go crazy for that. So we'll try and figure something out. Maybe even, maybe even post it live. Yeah, Ryan Gosling is going to guest appear on the episode for oh. the 100th. Oh. Right? I, 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 well, I don't know what they're going to do to do that, but I hope so. 
Did you just get a tooth removed? Yeah, I just just had a tooth removed. I hope. Well, anyway, I'm not going to promise anything that Andrew promised. He's sleepy. He just had a whiskey, folks. So anyway, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, We love you all. Have a happy new year. Merry Christmas. We'll see you next year, 2022. Nothing but better, we hope. Happy new year. Happy new year, folks.